It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. November 17th, baby. You are listening to the greatest show in America. Yes. If you like sports, you'll love this show. 631 672 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. We are very happy to have all the fans and everybody tuning in, as always, on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Speedy Petey, what is up? I am very impressed by your very elaborate intro. Yeah. I like that. That was actually one of my favorite ones that you've done. Very unique. Well, what can I say? You know, I'm drinking. I'm, I'm not drinking any beer or anything. I don't drink. <laughs> I'm actually drinking a new water. It's delicious. It, it's got some, like, mango in it. And I'm, I'm not a mango fan, uh, but it, it has a taste. It has a tangy taste to it. I like it. So maybe I'll stick by it. I, I don't know. I'm not a water drinker, but uh, it, it tastes good. So I'm happy. And uh, maybe I'll give you the name. I don't want to uh, promote something that I'm not getting any endorsements from. But uh, it is delicious. Very delicious but yeah we have a great show lined up for you as as always um at 9 30 we'll be talking to former commanders and vikings cornerback fred smoot uh he played for the commanders in 2001 and four and the vikings in 2005 and 2006 and the commanders again yep, in 2007 and 2009 um at 10 o'clock we'll be talking to nhl.com and nhl media producer rob Taub. so he'll be joining us again he used to write for the New York Islanders, and now he writes for the NHL. So very happy to get uh, Rob back on the show. Uh, We'll get into uh, Paul Goldschmidt announced the National League MVP. We knew that. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, the big hurt himself. Well, New York hurt. Uh, Maybe not for long. Aaron Judge wins the American League MVP over Sheo Atani. Yeah, so there you go. Andy Martino reports that the MLB is investigating Mets and Yankees in regards to Aaron Judge free agency sweepstakes. As everybody knows that Steve Cohen told Hal Steinbrenner he has no interest in Aaron Judge because they're friends. So this could be a fine, maybe a draft pick loss for both of them. We'll see. Uh, after the investigation, the Browns versus the Bills matchup will be moved to. Detroit because of snow, which uh, Long Island might see might be seeing some on Monday, possibly Tuesday. So uh, get ready for the first snow shower we're going to get. But Buffalo's getting creamed uh, this yep. weekend, so it'll be interesting. I, they're saying about uh, a foot and a half. I mean, it's ridiculous over there. I, I like the snow. I, I don't like driving in it, but I do like the snow. It, playing football in the snow must be fun. Why don't we ask the Green Bay Packers? It was snowing 
uh, at the beginning of this game. It stops, so uh, we'll see. And hopefully my uh, Derrick Henry can get a touchdown here. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Fourth it's not just one. in time for Christian Watson to get your touchdown. <laughs> yes, uh, and they stopped him fourth and one. So uh, there you go. I feel bad for Derek. Bad job. Anyways, uh, inquir- inquiries apply- implies uh, that the Colts are hiring Jeff Saturday didn't follow NFL guidelines. I don't know what that means, but I did read the story. Um, there is NFL guidelines to hiring a coach. I, I don't. I don't know. But uh, we'll get into it. Eagles uh, signed defensive tackle Linville Joseph. Everybody thought the Jets were going to get him. Uh, it seems like the Eagles are just dialing up. And yeah. by the way, they dialed up on somebody else <laughs> as they bring in Indomitian Susu. Yes, Indomitian Susu finally has a team. Uh, what is up with the Eagles bringing in these big pass rushers. I joke about it all the time. Howie Roseman always goes after extra defensive linemen for no reason. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, he brings in two guys. Defensive tackle. <laughs> Why would he bring in two guys when they're all, their defensive line is fine? Yeah, It doesn't make any sense. He just but, loves the extras. And week 11 picks with Derek Mountain. Mm-hmm. He will be joining us at 11 o'clock. And uh, we're all 7-7 seven and seven from last week. So I'm sure... Derek has his own thoughts of just absolutely terrible picking. Thank you, Derek. Uh, So why don't we get into it? Paul Goldschmidt wins the National League MVP. I am not surprised. And I'm going to tell you why, okay? Paul Goldschmidt, since the beginning of the season all the way to the end of the season, was the best player in the National League. It wasn't even close. Now, some people will say uh, his teammate over there, and everybody knows who I'm talking about, Mr. Third Baseman himself, Arenado, he was the runner-up, I believe. He came in second place, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the voting. He was the second-best player in the National League. So just think about it this way. The Cardinals had the two best players in the National League. And by the way, Paul Goldschmidt is 35 years old. He's one of the best first basemen in baseball. And... He didn't have much of uh, a postseason, and we all know that, but uh, the Cardinals didn't look good. But when when you have a first baseman smashing 35 home runs, 115 RBIs, even seven stolen base, bases, he had a, uh, a 317 batting average. His OPS was almost 1,000, 982, and he had 178 hits. Absolutely, and, and probably is going to win the gold glove in the uh, the National League. I mean, he absolutely deserves to win this unbelievable award. This is his second MVP, right? I don't think so. I think he was in the running for one, but I don't. Are think you sure? Had, I, I thought I don't it was think he actually won one. I was. I thought he. I thought he won one, but I'll look that up. Uh, but Paul Goldschmidt has been one of the best first basemen in baseball for the last twelve years, and uh, over the years, obviously with the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks, obviously. Uh, decided to part ways with him and traded him to the Cardinals. And uh, Goldschmidt has really trended as one of the more predominant power hitters in the National League. And I, what I love about him is he's a team player, and he plays the game right. He's a great defensive player. Uh, he could play. I think he could play third base as much as he could play first base. And I think he was drafted as a third baseman, and they moved him to first base. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when when you look at when you're trying to look at the MVP and the best player, who makes their team 
a playoff team? Who makes their team that much better? That's what I look for a most valuable player. I know they pick the guys that have the best numbers, and even if they don't make the playoffs, if they have the most RBIs, because I can say this, John Carlos Stanton on the Marlins, he had the most RBIs, most home runs, and his team didn't even come close. They didn't even sniff the playoffs the year that he won the MVP. So they usually, they should just say best player of the year, not MVP. Most valuable player is most valuable player to their team. Aaron Judge was the most valuable player to the New York Yankees. Without Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees don't make the playoffs. Without Aaron Judge, the month of August would have been as worse as we've ever seen a month in professional baseball history. Because he was chasing a home run record and people forgot how bad the Yankees were in the month of August. Paul Goldschmidt, the thing about him is, what I love about him is he came under the radar. Nobody was talking or speaking about Paul Goldschmidt winning the National League MVP because everybody knew he was going to win it. Not because uh, he hit 62 home runs or 60 home runs. No. He won it because he was the best overall player in the National League in every kind of way. Defensively, offensively, hits, running, uh, runners in you know scoring position. He did everything you expect the best player on your team to do. He also played with another great one. Aaron Judge did something that we might never see again. Now, he could have he would have won the triple crown if the Twins actually played their I guess shortstop second He's baseman. The utility guy, yeah. Yes, shortstop second baseman every single day. They only really they only really played him when he when he faced I think lefties. And until the I guess the final final month of the season. But to me what Aaron Judge did not just with the home runs because every everybody looks at Aaron Judge and they're like, "Oh, this guy is just all power." It's not just the power that stands out for what Aaron Aaron I almost called him Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Judge did this year. It wasn't just the power. It was his average. For a guy his size and and, and the power behind him, he had 300, he, he batted 311. 62 home runs, 131 RBIs, and he had one of the the most on his OPS was one of the highest it's ever been in major league history. 1.111 over a thousand, almost a, over eleven hundred. Mm-hmm. When you look at what Aaron Judge did this year, it doesn't even shed what he did in the outfield. He started the season as the right fielder. Aaron Hicks got hurt early in the season. They had no center fielder. There's no Brett Garner anymore. They didn't have Bader until they made the trade at the trade deadline for Montgomery. And he didn't, and Bader didn't really play until the last three, four weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge moved to center field and became one of the top 
three center fielders in baseball for the whole season. Is he going to win a gold glove? Probably not. But what he did, and by the way, he had 17 stolen bases, which I think was in the top 10 in baseball. This is, uh, I think, I don't know if it was top 10. I think top 15. At least in the American League, it should be top 10. It was top 10 in the American League. I'm talking about in baseball. I think it was in the top 15 Mm -hmm. in baseball. For a guy that's six foot eight, 280 pounds, we could go back and we could argue who the best player is in the majors. And a lot of people will argue Shea Otani deserved the MVP because he was dominant as a pitcher this year, even more than he was last year when he was a dominant hitter more than he was a pitcher. But baseball is a game of numbers. That's what it is. When we we try to compare the greats, the Mickey Mantles, the Babe Roots, the Ted Williams, the Lou Garricks, the Cal Ripkins, the Derek Jeters, anybody you want to put in there, Alex Rodriguez, if you want to add steroids. <laughs> you look at the numbers. You compare and contrast the numbers and what they did in the time in their prime when they were dominant. All those hitters that I just named, the Luke Garricks, the Babe Roots, the Mickey Mantles, none of them, even Ted Williams, and he hit, he hit over 400 one season. Yep. Even his numbers, all around, from top to bottom, in his best season, was not better than the season that Aaron Judge had this past year. Yeah. Historic feats in so many different facets of Aaron Judge's season. You mentioned the stolen bases as well. He uh, and, the, and the Hall of Baseball was tied for 36th, but still a lot comparatively 16. In the league. For, yeah, in the league, which is very impressive. He's he's. I think he was just short of the, as a gold glove finalist, but he was fourth for his first year in center field, and that's got to say a lot, too. And, yeah, you mentioned that maybe the batting average could have been higher if he wasn't swinging for the home runs towards the end. But, again, you want to get the home run record, too. That's a feat that's never going to be accomplished. You you might win a, bat, a batting title another season. You're not going to see a 62 home run season like that very often. It took 50-plus years in order to get it there from Roger Maris's record. And Aaron Judge, you don't see a guy that has as complete of a season as you do. 1.111 OPS is one of the highest of the stat cast era and one of only six players to do it recently. Vlad Jr. season last year and Otani, both of them. And then... Um, Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge did it the year before where he was over one for the OPS as a whole. So it takes that kind of special power season and also on base per season, how much he walked, how much he was intentionally walked. You were talking about it with the Rays a bunch of times, how much they intentionally walked Aaron Judge. Obviously, teams were pitching around him, trying to not allow the home run that would tie the home run record, too. That adds up. So a complete season just all around from Aaron Judge and for a Yankee team that really needed it. You it's, had- it's really fun. It, it, it's really fun when you see a player of that magnitude, especially Aaron Judge's type of player, a big man, six foot eight, two hundred and eighty pounds, built like an ox. For the last two years, he stayed healthy, and now he's looking for that big contract. He, he will be thirty one going into the season this year. He he wants that seven eight year extension worth about three hundred million. I don't know if the Yankees are going to give it to him. Now, we've heard Hal Steinbrenner say that he wants him to be a Yankee for life. Is he willing to open up his pockets to do that? 
I don't know. I don't know, but he deserved this MVP. He deserved the MVP when he was a rookie. Oh, and I I know everybody keeps talking about Altuve and what he had that year. He cheated that cheated, year. Cheated, yeah. He cheated. It was proven they cheated that year. So they should have they should have never ever gave him that MVP. Never. But they did. And you can't argue that anymore. He should be a two-time MVP, Aaron Judge. It could have been his first year as a Yankee, full year as a Yankee, and maybe could be his last year as a New York Yankee, and he could have won two MVPs, just like A-Rod. A-Rod in his career as a New York Yankee, I think he won two. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it was three, but I know he won two. No, he won an, he won one, one in uh, Seattle, and then he won two with the Yankees. So, dominant Yankees of the last, I would say, twenty years, and and there were quite a few. There are quite a few. Derek Jeter didn't hit for power. He didn't. Now, we, we all know Tino Martinez did, and he, that one year he had 54, 55 home runs, and he, that, I think that was in 98, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. He won the, I think he won the home run uh, derby home run derby that year as well. But this is, this is a great thing. I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, if you're a sports fan, and you could say, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and I don't think we'll ever see... For a very long time, another player hit 62 home runs in a season. It's very hard. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, the the last player to break Babe Ruth's record was Roger Maris. And when was that? 1961. In, ni- 1961, guys. It is 2022, and he did it in 2022. That's over 60 years. That's a long time. So to to say that you saw that, and, and we could go back and we could say, I could say I saw Michael Jordan play in his prime. I could say I saw Wayne Gretzky play in his prime. I could say I saw Mario Lemieux play in his time. I could say I saw Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Derek Jeter, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan. I could go on and on and on. But in baseball... There are three players that really stand out to me in the time that I have watched the game of baseball. And I'm not going to talk about Don Mattingly because he's my favorite player, so I'm not going to bring him up because as good as he was, he wasn't something that really stood out to me as one of the greats. Cal Ripken was one of them. Derek Jeter was another. And then Barry Bonds. And now, when you talk about the, the great hitters that I just mentioned, the guys that were so very important to their decade, Aaron Judge has an opportunity now for the next four years to prove that he is the best player of this decade. He has a chance. Last year, he had a fantastic year. He stayed healthy. Had over 40 home runs and... And over 100 RBIs, and he, he, he hit close to 300. This guy, every year, has been better and better and better. Now he has a chance, with the Yankees or without the Yankees, where he could change the sport. When we see six foot eight, 280-pound guys 
not only just hit for power, hit for average, steal bases, play the game defensively. He's a five-tool player. How many players in the league at his size are five-tool players? The answer is no one but him. There is nobody in the league that plays the game like he does. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is special. Yeah, and again, you were talking about it earlier. Oddly enough, you brought up Big Hurt. Frank Thomas, like all these guys that were previously his size were all DHs, all first basemen, and all just exclusively. I mean, they could be good all-around hitters, too, but they weren't fielders. They weren't base runners or anything like that. You'll never see Frank Thomas get stolen He bases. played first base, Frank Thomas. I, I know that. I'm just saying, you're, you're, you're not going to see him play a position like center field or a, a position on the left side of the infield that requires a lot more athleticism. He doesn't have like any athleticism. I, I know that. That's why the, the, So Aaron Judge being able to play center field and transition like that just even adds more value to what he could be. Now, could it deteriorate his body type for something like that? Maybe. He's been injury prone in the past. Now, if he stays healthy like he's doing, yeah, he's on that path where he could definitely become the best player in that deck in this decade, or the decade, I guess, combined in terms of what a compilation he's played in his career. But still, you're looking at a case of a guy that's this well-rounded for a body type like this is definitely something you never see in baseball. And yeah, it, it might be something that could be a trendsetter down the road too, if there's enough of a sample of him being able to stay healthy. Yes, and, and, and that's the problem. It's because of his size and his weight and his muscular body. Is he going to stay healthy when he gets this seven, six, or eight-year deal worth about almost $50 million a year? He's, gonna, he's going to make a lot of money because of the season that he had. He, there's no question. Anybody that argues this don't know baseball. You, you watch. Look, look at what Aaron Rodgers got this offseason. He got two year, a two-year extension worth about $50 million a year. He is the highest paid when it comes to season-by-season player in NFL history. He's making $50 million. Look what Damian Lillard got from the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> two years, $120 million. He is the highest yearly player in basketball history. Nobody makes $60 million a year. Right. He is. He is the highest paid player in professional sports history right now. Damian Lillard. So far, he's, he's earning it right now. The way he's hundred percent. A lot of times you see. But just think about it. Just think about it. Damian Lillard didn't have a great season. And then even with his bad season, the Portland Trailblazers gave him something that he probably didn't expect. They gave him $120 million was, was more for like two the, years. Yeah, it was more like I would, I would love, I would love the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, you had a crappy year. Here, here's $120 million. Congratulations on that crappy year. He was more likely to be traded to have any chance of getting that kind of contract with the way he played. Because we always saw Damian Lillard as the best. Like he, all right, he struggled for a month and a half to start the season. That's why he was snubbed out of All-Star games. But never for a full season like that. But he earned it. he's earned the way he's played this year, $60 million a year. A lot of times you see guys drop off after that. You have to give him a tremendous amount of credit because of the, the player that he is, Damian Lillard. And right. uh, even with a bad season like that, he went out there and he showed he showed the Portland Trailblazers that he is he is the center the centerpiece of that team and and with being the centerpiece of that team he deserves the money and I don't judge anybody that gets money like that I don't judge any player that gets money like that because you only get that money when you're the best player in the league or you're one of the best players in the league and Damian Lillard is and Aaron Judge. If if the Yankees give it to him, San Francisco gives it to him, the Boston Red Sox give it to him, whoever decides to give him the contract that he deserves or he thinks he deserves, he deserves it. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, the season that he had, 62 home runs, 311, uh, OPS uh, worth over 1,100. I mean, it's a ridiculous number, by the way. People don't realize how how crazy the OPS is. When you look at the number 1,100, over 1,100, there is only one player in history, baseball history, besides Aaron Judge in his career, for a whole season that hit over 1,100 in OPS. Only one more. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds did steroids, which everybody wants to throw him under the bus for that. I've stuck up for Barry Bonds and everybody that does steroids in professional sports, except combat sports and boxing, because I think you can kill somebody. But in professional sports, if you want to do steroids, you want to destroy your body, if you want to stay on the field, you want to stay on, uh, you want to stay on a basketball court, by all means, do it. Who cares? We've heard from professional athletes. They did steroids, and it didn't help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go to break, uh, shout-out to Ben, uh, joining back in our comments section. What happened? I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I'm just shouting out Ben. He's in the comments section. What's up, Ben? How are you? So why don't we go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking to former Commanders and Vikings cornerback Fred Smoot here on the Sports Lab Mouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. This track reminds me of Juice, man. I love that movie. Love it. 631-672-3108 is the number. Remember, you can check us out on our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Oh, man, I love that movie, Juice, man. I'm a Tupac fan, so I, I love Tupac, Omar Epps. That movie was fantastic. It's a classic. And when I hear music like that, old hip-hop from the 80s and, and the early 90s, it's fantastic. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, we have our special guest, and we're very happy to have him for the first time on the Sports Loudmouths. We are now talking to former Commanders and Vikings cornerback Fred Smoot. Fred, what's up, man? Good, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. You look good. You look healthy. Hey, hey let, let me ask you this. Like, we always say that when we when we see somebody that we haven't saw in a long time. Would you see somebody and be like, oh, my God, you look awful. You look terrible. You look like a bad guy. Well, you obviously have never heard our show because I've done it before. <laughs> we've, had we've had ex-athletes on our show, and we've yeah. had them a couple of times. And they come on the show. They love coming on the show. And uh, – the, the next time I see him, I'm like, man, you, you don't look very happy. Are you? We also yeah, good. You don't, look, you don't look healthy, brother. What's, what's going on? We also used to have a co-host that used to sit next to me. We always made fun of his hairline all the time, too. <laughs> well, well, you know, the one thing that men really can't take, and I got a lot of homeboys that lost their hair, and I – they just cannot take it. Men cannot take the hair loss. If you can come up with something to grow men back hair, it's a billion-dollar business. Well, I will, I will show you something. I, I am 40 years old this year. Look at this hair. Look at this hair, man. Oh! You now, can't, listen. You can't, listen, I, you, can, you can do a head and shoulders commercial right now. <laughs> well, if they want to over Troy Palomalu. <laughs> 
Well, Troy, is, he's still making money head and shoulders, man. Yeah, yeah, Troy Palmalu yeah. all day long. Yeah, first of all, Troy is awesome. He's got a great personality. I'm sure you played against him, so you know all about great, his crazy. Yeah, yes. Great guy, great guy, mm-hmm. great energy, just great human being. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell people all the time, man. When you meet some of these players, they are better human beings than they ever were a football player. <laughs> and that and that's the great thing. When when, when I talk, when we speak to guys like Tab Ali, and Tab Ali is living at large, man. He's a hip hop artist now. He's he's trying to get his career to that next level in in that particular you know um, I, I guess you could say career. And then yeah. you, you saw what he did in the NFL as great of a pass rusher he was eighty nine sacks and he mm-hmm. he's a borderline Hall of Famer he really is. And then you yeah. see how he transformed his life after walking away from football because you live, sleep, smell, and everything when it comes to football when, you, you, when you're playing on the field. And then once it's over, it's gone. And then you're like, where am I going next? What am I going to do? So it's, it's crazy when we, talk to, when, we, when we speak to all these different athletes and we see where they have gone after mm-hmm. their careers. It's, it's yeah. crazy. It really is. Well, I tell people all the time, just because you're great at something don't mean you got other loves. Like, if we, once you meet people and be in the locker room, you'll be shocked at how many of these guys are poets, doctors. All, like, they just happen to be 6'6", six, six, 320 pounds. All right, so guess what? I'm going to take the, the route of least resistance so they play football. But other than that, they have a lot of a plethora of things. My guy Vernon Davis, he's acting now. He's working on his sixth movie. So at the end of the day, guys, transition to other love. You can love more than one thing. All right? You can. Mm. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Commanders and Vikings cornerback Fred Smoot. So, Fred, why don't we get into your career? And, yep. and you had a pretty good career. You were in the league for yep. a very, very long time. Anybody yeah, that, yeah. anybody that plays in the league over four yeah. years, an average yeah. NFL player plays three to four years. You played a lot longer than that. Yeah. I really enjoyed it because I the great thing that I never did, I never let Fred Smoot, the football player, be bigger than Fred Smoot, the person. I always I always kept them one in one. I kept them simultaneously growing at the same time. So when it was time for me to walk away from sports, and this is the thing about it, we never walk away from sports. Sports walks away from us. All right? You wake up one day and your body says no and your mind says yes. So that's when the divorce process starts. Now, here go the thing about it. You're talking about divorce voicing something that's been a part of your life since you were four or five years old. Not only have you been defined by that football, that football have shown you different countries, different worlds, different lifestyles, different everything. So sometime after football, it's hard for guys to redefine themselves, uh, make themselves something else without that brown football. But I cherish in that because I'm more than just a football player. And I always live like that. So my question is, you, you, you grew up playing football with uh, high school football, college football. Like, how did you get into it as, as a sport? Were there any other sports you got into yeah. like, over time? Oh, I, I played basketball. You got to realize when all my time in the league, I was built like a basketball player. I was 180 pounds, six feet tall, skinny. I always played basketball. I always played. I played a little baseball. Track was always my thing. I love track, love running track. But guess what, fellas? I'm going pro again, and I'm going pro in bowling. I am a <laughs> hell of a bowler. And, and it's about time that pro bowling had that five-star athlete that they could say it's about time they had a little 
LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan. No, no, no disconnect to Williams and all the rest of the guys that's doing their thing. But it's time for that elite athlete with a six-pack to be the bowling champion. And that is, that is me, Fredless Tar, I mean, uh, Targaryen. That's me. A Fredless Targaryen. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I love Game of Thrones, I, love House of Dragon, I, love it all. Oh, I love it too, man. I've been yeah. I, I I didn't watch the Game of Thrones really yeah. for, for like eight years after it, you know? And and then I watched every single season. I just got addicted to it. And then <laughs> God. And then I, I, I had the, the House of the Dragons, and I watched every single episode every every week. And I, I just I can't get enough of it. That's why you have to wait another, like, almost a year to see the new the new episodes. It's, it's horrible. I, I, I've been trapped in Westeros for, like, 15 years, all right? <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been living in a place where, where different things happen and marrying your cousin or your auntie is no problem. But I've been, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've always enjoyed it as a whole. And, and then, to top it off, the David Chappelle skit on Saturday Night Live just really did it for me. If you were to pick a character that reminds yeah. you of you from – from any of those shows, which one would it be? Oh, great question. I guess it'll be I'll be old Fred Snow, old John Snow. I knew you, you know? I knew you. Everybody gonna be judged. I'm the bastard from the south. So I'll be good that lives in the north. So I'm fine with that. You know, it, you know it's, it's actually funny. About a month ago on the show, we had a uh, former Jaguars offensive lineman, Uche Waneri, on the show. And he was, at the end of the interview, he was mentioning, oh, uh, he was mentioning, oh, I got to go watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> the House of yeah. the Dragon. House of yeah. the Dragon, yeah. He, he mentioned it right at the end. And, and we, I watched we, we that episode. He said, don't tell me what happens. Right, I that's don't want to know what happens. Yep. Don't spoil <laughs> it for me and my wife, is what he was saying the whole time. <laughs> Oh no! It's it's the it's, it's the best. It's the best, and like you said, I cannot wait on next season because it's it's gonna be a war. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely an addiction. Once you get, you know, it's like it's it it's like a drug, okay, or or yeah. it, a, a certain drink that you like. It, once you uh, once you taste it, you want more of it. Well, you know, plus I was a Viking. My homeboy called me, and he always sent me, you know, how your homeboy's always ragging at you. So he gave me the name uh, Fretless Valerian. He called me the Sea Snake because of what happened at the Vikings. <laughs> well, which teammate did that? Uh, which teammate did that? Well, when I was with the Viking, he was talking about the love boat. That's why he called me uh, the Sea Snake. Okay. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Commanders and Vikings cornerback Fred Smoot. Now, let's get into the Vikings because yeah. the Vikings are playing great football right now. Uh, they they came up with that win last week against Buffalo, and, and it really has a lot to do with Jefferson. I, I, I think they really force-feed Jefferson a lot on the field. They have other great weapon, weapons like Cook and, and Thielen. Thielen hasn't had the season I thought he was going to have after drafting him, drafting him on almost every single one of my fans. Fantasy teams, but uh, Jefferson's a—he—he he really is a special player. What are your thoughts to really the growth of this team with a new coach and really just a new mindset this year? 
Well, I think Coach McConnell unlocked the offensive prowess of this team. I thought, you know, having a defensive coach sometimes, defensive coaches can be, let's run the ball and play good defense, which the mindset of a defense coach, I think McConnell comes up and say, let's be dynamic, and that's what they are. And you just said it. Dalvin Cook, one of the best uh, running backs in the league. Uh, Justin Jefferson, one of the best, if not the top three wide receivers in the league. Uh, you got uh, TJ Hawkinson, who nobody is talking about, who watch his – Watch his career flourish. Since he's been there, two games, he's caught 17 passes already. All right, doubling what he caught in Detroit. Uh, Adam Thielen. Uh, of course, he's getting a little long in the tooth now. Uh, 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 Jefferson getting all the love, and maybe he got a little fat rash disease mixed up in that. But, but I don't know, but he's still a legit number two. So the, offensively-wise, they are a very dangerous team, and they can play defense. The only question most people have when it comes to the Vikings is – Kirk Cousins, is he going to be there when you need him to be there? So I want to go to the other team, the Washington Commanders you played for, because uh, you were celebrating their uh, undefeated season spoiling of the Philadelphia Eagles. So what has been your impression of them this season, especially in that game? Where- what I love it, every time they take a trip to Pennsylvania with undefeated teams, we beat the Steelers two years ago when they was 11-0. and 0. Right. Then we come back and beat Philadelphia. Ain't nothing like ruining an NFC East rivals. Uh, good time in the sunshine, especially Philadelphia. If y'all don't know if Philadelphia fans are the worst fans in the NFL, you cannot tell them anything about the Philadelphia Eagles. They like to say fly, Eagles fly. I love saying cry, Eagles cry because they cried. The the other day, and I like to give them a shot, a shout out because they are the only city in America that has a statue of a dude that doesn't exist. Rocky is not a real guy. So all I can say is this: I thought the guys went up there, and I thought they literally forced their will upon the Philadelphia Eagles, dominated them. 23 first downs, had the ball 40 minutes, uh, ran the ball down their throat. So at the end of the day, no, they showed that we can go out there and we can win in a dirty football game. You look at the league right now, and there's two divisions that everybody thought was going to stand out. Uh, The Kansas City division, where everybody thought, hey, yeah, you mm-hmm. have Kansas City, you have the Chargers with all the acquisitions they made in the offseason, the Vegas Raiders, that what they did in the offseason, adding Adams and, and all the, ta- the talent they have offensively, and they added Josh McDaniels, and then obviously the Broncos and Russell Wilson, that fell apart. And then you had yep. the divisions like the Rams and the 49ers and Arizona, and then, yeah, yeah now the newly inquired Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> I, I, I mean... What's going on right now? The, the the divisions that everybody thought was going to be the top divisions is it's two of the worst divisions in football. Well, they paper champions. Hey, when you're a paper champion, that means you ain't played no football. Just because you put pieces together don't make them great. I know that personally from being a Washington football player. We could go out and get the best pieces. That don't make you a best, the best team. Football families win championships. Individuals go to Pro Bowls. So that's fine. At the end of the day, well, you think about it with Denver. Even if Russell was balling, we still knew it was going to take a year or so for them to really get rolling. All right? You can't put a new coach, new quarterback in a new situation and think it's just going to happen. All right? the, the, the Raiders, they are who I thought they were. Who I'm really disappointed in is, in a little bit is the Chargers. I thought they would be a lot better. And when you talk about Geno Smith and what he's done, it, 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 it reminds me of Rich Gannon. Everybody forget 
that Rich Gannon used to be a backup quarterback for the longest before he took the Raiders to a Super Bowl. So that reminds me, I think Geno Smith is, is for real, and he's he, he's like a rash. He's here to stay. Nobody wants him, but he's here to stay. And when you talk about the Cardinals, my God, uh, are we watching terrible coaching? Because they got players. They got players. But this is what happened when you hire a coach that wasn't even 500 in college. All right? He's going to be mediocre in the league. And the Rams, Super Bowl hangover, I called it fat rash disease. All right? they, I, I knew they would take a step back. But the 49ers are going to be that team in the playoff that nobody wants to play. All right? They could do what the Cincinnati Bengals did last year. Nobody will want to play the, the San Francisco 49 So speaking of the playoffs, you actually played in the NFC East when, when the NFC East was making having multiple teams make the playoffs every year. Back-to-back years where three teams made the playoffs. So what were some of those battles like with those top Man. NFC East teams? Well, NFC East is always a battle, period, because think of the markets. You got New York. You got Dallas, the most popular team in sports. You got Philadelphia Eagles. So every game means something. Every game is is, is a rivalry. You ask people, what's the rivalries in the NFC North? I mean, NFC East, all of them. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that it goes. And now we're seeing, a, we're seeing a division that all four teams are fighting for playoff spots. Uh, Dallas seems to be strong when they need to be. New York is the only team with the question mark. I think everybody is waiting for Daniel Jones to pull a Daniel Jones. Everybody's waiting for him to take a step back, but they they keep taking steps forward. In Philadelphia, I don't have to tell you how dangerous they are, but no, the NFC beast, oh, it's back. And we only we're that division that we're only good when every team is good. You look at all the championship runs, New York winning the championship, Philadelphia, we're all good at the same time. As everybody knows, we're talking to former commanders and Vikings cornerback Fred Smoot. The best division in football right now is the AFC East. It's been really a dominant division. You had the Buffalo Bills, where obviously the last two weeks... Uh, are, are you serious? Yeah. The AFC East? That's where you're going? AFC. I'm not just explaining to you <laughs> why the, 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 the NFC East is the beast? Oh, Well, hold on one second. You have the AFC East right now. They're, the worst team in their division is 5-4. and four. That's the Patriots. You have the Jets that are 6-3. and three. You have Miami that's 6-3. and three. And remember, the NFC East... They had the easiest schedule throughout the league. The Giants had one of the easiest schedules. Ain't such the Cowboys. Easy schedule. Ain't such hold, thing hold as There's no easy wins in the NFL because it's about what week do I play you? I, Who is injured? Yeah. Uh, it's no such thing as an easy win well, in the NFL. They don't all right. they but, them out. But, but you, if you look at the, you know, from top to bottom in the schedules, I, I mean, the, the schedules don't match out what the AFC East has played against this this year. You have Buffalo, you have the Jets, you have Miami, and Miami and the Jets have been the surprise teams right now in the league. I, I mean, what Miami's done this this year with Tua when when healthy and he could play, you, you have guys like Tyreek Hill, who's been unbelievable, Waddle, who's been unbelievable. Their running game, even their offensive line, which everybody thought was their weakness, has actually played well. And then there's the Jets. They have... They they had Brees Hall, who became a star. Sauce Garner, who's the best corner in the league, is a rookie right now. And, and, and Quentin Williams has become the 
best defensive tackle in football. Crazy. Lies, After- lies, lies. <laughs> Listen go. to me. Rubbish. Um, I rubbish. rubbish. At the end of the day, John Allen and Deron Payne are the highest rated interior D lineman in the league. Hold on one second. Nobody plays defense like the Washington football team. Huh? Last time I checked, uh, Michael Parsons was up for defensive player of the year. He's a linebacker at the Cowboys. Trayvon Diggs, one of the best, if not the best, corner in the league. And when you want to talk about the best running back in the league, Saquon Barkley seems to come to my mind. Last time I checked, big play slay, Brett Barry, the best cornerback duo. That's in the NFC East. So what are you saying? You're explaining to oh, me hold on. what everybody hold is. On. Hold on. here. Hold on. Right now, the best cornerback duo right now in the league with PFF and the ratings right now are DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. That's a fact. You could go look that up. Not, that not is a than fact. Big play, Slay, and who getting the ball back? Is Slay and Bradbury getting the ball back? Oh. The, the how many touchdowns? Lead. How many touchdowns did the Jets give up so far this year with their two corners? How many touchdowns? Oh, you sound like a New Yorker. You have to be a Jet fan your whole life. I, I, you, I'm a Jet fan, no question. But honestly, I'm a Jet fan. I'm a Jet fuel on you, Fred. I am an honest Jet fan. I always t- attack the Jets, but the Jets are for real. They are. Oh, and if you think I, I that they're not. I believe you. The Jets are for real. You are correct when you say that. But you believe in Zach Wilson as much as you oh, believe in a, in a marathon runner with a hernia. Oh, you know you don't believe in Zach Wilson. Oh, hold on one second. And first of all, anybody that knows when I when the, when Zach Wilson was drafted, I rooted on that, that move for the Jets. Now, Zach Wilson is a guy that I think the Jets have to take the handcuffs on and let him play his game. They have not done that yet because they want to run the ball before they throw the ball. And their offensive line has been really, really good. You added Dwayne Brown to that offensive yep. line. He is a mm-hmm. magnificent. And Elijah Veritaka was going to be an all-pro player before he hurt his elbow. He was that mm-hmm. good. And then yep. Bruce Hall is a beast of a man. They drafted him in the second round. They he tra- hurt. Him, I, you know what? I know. He He's going to get as many yards as a dead man for the next couple of months. He is hurt. Which is sad. James Robinson. Yes, there was a hell of a pickup right there. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Jets are. But if when you look at it, all right. You don't really believe in New England. Nobody believes in New England. Matt Jones. Nobody believes in New England. All right. The the Bills are taking a step back because last time I checked, we almost beat the Vikings. The Vikings up, went up there and beat the Bills. Uh, so that showed a little NFC superiority right there. So we've beaten your best. We've beaten your best. The NFC is beating your best. And don't forget, Washington just beat the number one team in the NFL in Philadelphia and lost to the Vikings at the end of the game uh, on the goal line. Well, let me ask you a question. How far did Philadelphia go last year in the playoffs? Uh, they went to the first round, right? How how far did the Cowboys go in the playoffs last year? Uh, they went to the first round. Okay, uh, all right. And, and how fa- how about this? How far did the Commanders go last year in the playoffs? Uh, they went home with me, and I haven't played in years. <laughs> Don't worry, so did the Jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now let me I'm ask you this. Let me saying. ask you this. If <laughs> Buffalo made it to the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. it don't matter. They lost. They did. Right? They, they lost. Did. A loss they were with the other 32, I mean, other 30 teams watching the Super Bowl. So it don't matter how far. Listen to me. The Bills have the, month, the most to lose in this situation. Here goes one thing I know about the Bills. Great quarterback. Could be a generational talent quarterback. We know how good he is. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime, it's all about who can run the ball. Mm-hmm. And last time I checked, Buffalo can't run the ball. And I said that, and that's why I knew they weren't going to beat the Jets. I was the only person in this world when I, I, I almost called the score of the game. 
I said I said the Jets were going to win. What was it? 20, 21 seventeen. Yeah, it, it was twenty, and it was twenty seventeen. I, I called the score. I said the Jets are going to run it down their throats, and, and and the one thing the Jets could do stop Diggs and stop Davis, and if they stop both of them, there is no way Buffalo's winning that game. And I said everything they did in that game, they won. And and uh, and, and Buffalo does have deficiencies. They do. Yeah, they, they're yeah. not a good run stopping team. They're not, and they've proven it. The Jets proved it in the fourth quarter. They ran it right up the gut every single time, especially in the fourth quarter. Six minutes, they ran the ball down their throats. And if you do that against Buffalo, you can win. The problem right now with the the NFC East, there are three things that I could pick out in the NFL and NFC East that stands out. The Giants, look who they've played. They've played nobody. Okay, they've beaten. They, they, you can only beat who, who on you your play? schedule. Last no time question. I checked, these no, are NFL no teams. They, they and, stink. And, and you wouldn't pick they in a neutral field. You would not pick uh, Buffalo over Philadelphia. Who would win? You just said uh, the Jets took two corners, took their wide receivers out the game. What would Philadelphia do? Here's the thing. I, I don't know what Philadelphia is in the playoffs with the players that they have. I don't know what they are. Okay, and and that's the only thing I'm going to say. We know what Buffalo is in the playoffs. We I don't, don't know. know. I know they losers. Uh, they losers yeah. in the playoffs. Losers. They, 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 they are. Honest, honestly, they went to an AFC title game and had one of the greatest games we've ever seen in NFL uh, playoff game. And they happen. lost. And, and they did. And 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 I, I'll admit they lost. But again. I don't know what these teams are in the place. And by the way, the Cowboys, until they win the big game, which by the way they haven't done since the nineties, I don't, I don't trust that they're going to do anything. And I like Taylor Henneke. And by the way, Taylor Henneke should win that job. It's his job. They should not give it to Carlson Wentz. This guy, ever since Carlson Wentz has gotten hurt, this guy has done everything right, and he said everything right. And for anybody to think that Carson Wentz, and I like Carson Wentz. I I think he's been mistreated in Indianapolis. I think he was Mm -hmm. mistreated with the Philadelphia Eagles. I I think he's a good quarterback. And um, by the way, I'm laughing at Indianapolis right now because they could have him as the quarterback instead of Joe Schmo or Matt Ryan, who looks like his legs falling off. Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Ryan is fit. Matt Ryan retired three years ago and didn't tell nobody. By the way, we are talking to the former Commanders and Vikings quarterback, Fred Smoot. Uh, so another thing that's come out this week is uh, a petition. Uh, J.C. Treader and several of the NFLPA uh, people have said that they want to play on all grass fields, ban turf fields from the NFL. Now, you played on both, yep. FedEx, FedEx yep. Field and Natural Grass, and then in Minnesota, mm-hmm. that was one of the first uh, turf fields with the Metrodome, one of the older turf fields. So do you yep. have a preference, and do you think this is a realistic thing these players can fight for? Yes, it is. Grass and grass only. If it's God's game, God gave us grass to play on it. It's nothing softer than hitting grass. I don't care if it's snow on the ground, rain on the ground, what it is. Uh, injuries, a lot of non-contact injuries happen on turf. All right, that's telling you the cliques are getting stuck in the turf. That's why one thing I mastered in was I started to wear soccer cliques. When I played on turf, I only wear soccer cleats because they, they don't have the, the, the one big tooth at the front of the cleat that gets stuck. I, it, it helped me glide across the grass, but I think some that's something that should have been done 10, 12 years ago. I, I'm sorry. It's just unhealthy. It, it's unhealthy. Artificial anything. If you wouldn't put some artificial in your body, why would you play on something artificial? Don't you think it would cost the NFL a lot of money to change all 
the stadiums to grass? Cry, cry the NFL the real. They don't make but a billion dollars every three days. I, I, what agree. Is that, what are you, I agree with you. What state? But, we only have what by five or six states. Like Atlanta has no business regret. I mean, with a with a uh, fake grass in their stadium anyway. They down south. Yeah. Right, you got Seattle. Right, uh, you got uh, the, the Buffalo. You got like in Green Bay shows Buffalo. Yes, you can be a, a nasty weather place and still play on grass. Mm. So. You can play anywhere on the, in, the, in the NFL, I think, on natural grass. It's crazy, and I, I agree with you, but are the owners going to agree with it? That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, they will because, you know, the players don't ask for much, but when they do ask, they usually give the players what they want. As everybody knows, we are talking to former commanders and Vikings cornerback Fred Smoot. So, Fred, your opinion, and you are a mm-hmm. cornerback, and honestly, yeah. I, w- I want to know the truth. From the top, your top five corners right now in the NFL, from top to bottom. Oh, just had this talk. I was going back and forth. Uh, of course, Darius Slay, mm-hmm. most definitely. Slay is having one of those years. Uh, <sighs> Trayvon Diggs, Sauce Garden. I got to put the sauce up there. I, I have to put the sauce up there. Uh, I'm a big Marcus Peters fan, but haven't been making a lot of plays this year. Mm. Jair Alexander. So I'm three deep, right? Yeah, that's four. That's four. That's four. That's four. So I got one more. Stingley, Derek Stingley has secretly, quietly having a very good year himself. But I would go Tariq Woodland, Mm. Seattle. He's had a good season, two too. Rookies. Wow. Two rookies. Yeah, I, I got two rookies, in, and I knew they'll be special coming out. I knew Sauce was going to be special. I didn't think he was going to be this damn good because the only thing I want to see with Sauce is what happens after he get beat because he never get beat in college. Mm. All right, so he never gave up a touchdown. So I don't worry about a corner giving up a touchdown. What happens next? And that's what I want to see. But now he, I see he has the swag to get the jo- job done. They were- and Tariq. Tariq Willen is a freak. You know, they were showing the numbers of Jalen Ramsey, his first 10 games, and Sauce Garner, his first his first nine games. It, it, it's he's His numbers, Sauce Garner's are, numbers are light years better than Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey was really, for the last six, seven years, has been the best corner in football, everybody says. And he's not yeah. having a season right now. He's not. He's They have not looked good, but... Uh, I don't think it's age. I just think this this defense is just get, it's not as fast as it was last year. And maybe it's Von Miller. I don't think it was Von Miller. Maybe Super Bowl hangover, yeah. hangover. It's fast rats disease. Dude, Once a rat get fat, it don't move that much no here, more. Here's the thing: the Rams don't have draft picks for the next two years. I mean, they've traded away practically their their whole draft class this coming year and next year. So what well, are they going to do? You got, you, you got free agency. You got you got guys that you can get in this league. You got guys that you can get for the Chiefs. They just gave Aaron got, Donald a lot of money. They gave Jalen Ramsey a lot of num- money. They got to pay Matthew Stafford, by the way, unless they're going to go after Lamar Jackson. I said that yesterday. Uh, Matthew Stafford's a free agent this year. Do you re-sign him after what you've seen with his arm and you're hearing arm problems? Or do you go after a Lamar Jackson if he becomes available? You just said the magic word. We ain't got no draft picks. We have no other. We have to resign Matthew Stafford. Mm. All right? and, and and actually, come on. You know, that's a pipe dream if you think you're going to get Lamar Jackson. First of all, Baltimore does better business than that. You know, eventually the Ravens will sign him. The Ravens don't let their cornerstone guy go. They always, they are lifers once they're part of Baltimore. And no, they, they're stuck with Matthew Stafford. 
Here's here's the reason why I think Lamar Jackson might not sign with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he is his own agent, and after what he is seeing, Kyler Murray get, and Aaron Rodgers got, and all these other guys, and even though his season has been up and down, up and down all year, and if Baltimore makes the playoffs or they don't make the playoffs, you know the Ravens are going to try to point their fingers on Lamar Jackson. You're a one-dimensional player. You're this, you're that. We're not giving you that kind of money, or we're not giving you guaranteed money. I have a feeling. I, I know what you're going to say, Fred. I have a feeling Lamar Jackson, unless they franchise him and then trade him, which they could do that. They could absolutely yeah. do that. Um, I don't think he'll be a Raven next year. I really don't. I, I And I don't think John Harbaugh is going to be there next year either. Uh, what uh, are you just hoping these things? Or do you got any validity to your your fact finding? Like, no, he's gonna be. You know why he's a Raven? Because they've already built an offense that only fits yes, they him. Did. They did. All right, and and he would be a fool to divorce them, and they'll be a fool to divorce uh, him. It's a mar. It's a perfect marriage. He and then I always told people like this. People don't believe in quarterback face. Like quarterbacks are usually attractive dudes, all right? Like uh, very attractive dudes. And it's only a couple of cities that can win with ugly quarterbacks. And that's <laughs> Pittsburgh and Baltimore, all right? And that's where it's at. Right? That, that, that's it. Oh, what are you trying right? what, what are you trying to say? Lamar Jackson's ugly? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying I'm just saying on the quarterback face scale, he he, he wouldn't be Dan Marino. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That, that, that's all I'm saying. And, and you can't and think about it. Like Pittsburgh, being Roethlisberger, you're not attractive, dude. <laughs> well, Cardale that's Stewart, that's, not attractive, dude. Well, that's why Ben was doing things at clubs. You <laughs> <laughs> crazy, man. You crazy, man. <laughs> All right, my, my, my question is uh, during your career both the teams you played for the Commanders and Vikings uh, one, yeah. t- one teammate that uh, one teammate that you have a funny story of in your encounter with them on both teams oh uh, funny alright uh, when I played for Washington I don't know if y'all remember big Darrell Gardner D tackle from uh, Baylor mm-hmm. big dude like we traded for him like three weeks into the season. And he got there on like a Tuesday, which is an off day. Uh Wednesday, the, the players we got there, we got to meet him. And after practice, I go home and I get a knock on my door. And I open the door and it's Daryl Gardner. He got a bag with it. And, it, and if, I don't know if y'all know Daryl. Daryl is every bit of 6'6", 330 pounds, number muscle. Just very intimidating man. So Daryl practically moved in my house without my permission. Right? <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm I'm waking up cooking in breakfast. I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm almost his woman. He didn't move in my house. So I go to, I go to practice like a week later after he'd have been in my house a week. And I caught talk to Coach Gill. And I'm like, Coach Gill, you gotta get this dude out of my house. And Coach like, hey, just because he had started playing real good. He was like, no, just, just let him chill there. I was like, man, I'm a prisoner at my own house. So yeah. Basically, a D tackle came and took my house for like three weeks, four weeks. <laughs> Fred like, took it. Fred, you are a great personality, man. You really are. You should have your own radio show. You really should. But uh, I mean, it, it, well, you know, I do all the radio and TV for the team, post game, pre game shows, do all that. But eventually, I have my own show to let me just be Fred Smoot. You know. Well, I I think you're Fred Smoot, man. You're Fred the damn Smoot. How's that sound? Well, that that that, that does it with me. 
the damn smoot. But uh, first of his name. Well, well, I'll tell you this, man. If uh, they're looking for another, uh, you know, character in that TV show, uh, you know, uh, you would be great in blonde hair. <laughs> I, I, I would, right? It look good, but I still want to make sure I keep like black facial hair. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we really appreciate you joining us, and uh, we would love to get you on again. Your personality, everything. As the season, you know, underwinds, and and maybe we'll get into watching your NFC East just fall apart. We can, oh. we can come back to this and 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 go back and forth like we were doing on this show. Well, actually, well, you know what? You know what? The reason I'm gonna tell you is the NFC East is just so much better than the AFC. Uh, what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the only division in football, the oldest division in football, and the only one with every team has won a Super Bowl, uh, right. and we have multiple Super Bowls over here. Oh, you, uh, we are the highest, some of the richest franchises in the NFL. We mm. are the cities of the NFL. And you want to tell me about a team, uh, the Miami Dolphins, who hasn't won a Super Bowl since Don Shula was here. Uh, are you talking about don't, the Don't do jet, it. Don't do jet, it. <laughs> the Jets the jet haven't run since Joe Willie named oh. it. The Bills don't even know how it feels to win a Super Bowl. Yep. And you telling me that's what the NFL is supposed to be afraid of? And, and I'm going to tell you this. The Super Bowl picks, here goes the Super Bowl pick. This is playing in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The 49ers of San Francisco mm-hmm. versus the Baltimore Ravens. There goes your Super Bowl. And, and you know what my pick was before the season started? Speedy, tell them. Bills and 49ers. Was Bills pick. and 49ers. The Ravens was actually my pick at the start of the season. I'm a little less on it now. I'm a little worried about their defense. But if they get back into form, I think they could do it. So, I, I'm just, I'm just, we're, we're on almost the same way with the, with the bees. So, there you go. But I, I still, I still, I still like Buffalo. I think when they get healthy, I don't know what's going on with Josh Allen's arm or shoulder or his elbow. But uh, if, if, if somehow... He gets back to the groove. I still think Buffalo has the talent, and White will be back in that cornerback uh, room. Is going to be even better when he comes back. So uh, yeah, but they can't run the ball, and when they get cold, it's all about keep away. You just watch the Washington football team run the ball down the throat of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's how you stop Josh Allen. Make him watch the game with the rest of the fans, and this is what's going to happen when they play Baltimore. Baltimore going to chew the clock up, going to score on their drives, get play good defense, and Buffalo will be at home yet again wondering when is the Bill Mafia ever going to get a Super Bowl and they'll be jumping through tables. <laughs> Not just regular tables. I'm talking about tables from Fred Dollar Store. Yeah, and you mentioned they have no Super Bowls. All four of their losses are to the NFC East. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Congratulations. Um, you both are NFC East lovers, okay? <laughs> Give me a break. Fred, we love you. Thank you for joining us. We'll get you on soon as we were just talking. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Uh, Ex-former commander, former Viking cornerback, fantastic personality, Fred Smoot. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. One of the best interviews we've ever had. Yes, he's fantastic. Oh, yeah. And he went at it with me. Uh, Of course. Uh, It's great. He joins the exclusive club of the uh, NFL players that uh, decides to target you about the New York Jets. Yeah, well, what else is new? I mean, being a Jet fan is not easy. But anyways, when we come back, we'll be talking to NHL.com and NHL media producer Rob Tobb here on the Sports Live Mouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. Six three one six seven two. 
3108 is the number, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the sports loudmouths. Check out our website at www.worldwideSportsRadio.com. Our app is uh, fluctuating right now, but it's on Droid. Check it out at WWSRN, Worldwide Sports Radio. Uh, you can check it out on Android. Right now on Apple, we're having problems with it, but we'll figure it out. Fred was fantastic. And now we have another guy who is an Islander guy, well, was an Islander guy, and now he's talking some NHL for NHL.com. We're now talking to NHL.com and NHL media producer, Rob Tom. Robbie, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? How are you? We are good, man, and you're a Jet fan. I love that. So, I mean, Freddie was uh, Freddie was attacking our Jets, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, he he's an NFC NFC East fan, but uh, he's going to watch them just completely collapse because uh, <laughs> I, he says it's all about playing whatever's on their schedule. But come on, look who the Giants have played. Give me a break. Look who the Cowboys have played. Give me a break. Look who look who the Eagles have played. Give me a break. And by the way, same thing with the Washington football team. Oh, commanders, whatever you want to call it. I mean, uh, I'll give the commanders credit. They helped me out on uh, Monday in my, my pro pick and pull. So I got to give them some credit for that. So I'm happy that they uh, they won outright, even though I just need them to lose by under 10. So There you go. There you go. So uh, before we get into uh, everything and a change from the Islanders to the NHL, uh, how have you been since we last spoke? I mean, it was COVID time when we last spoke to you. How are you feeling? Yeah, things have been good. I'm just uh, doing my stuff with the NHL again this year and having a blast doing it. I'm watching the Islander game right now and basically getting, getting paid to watch hockey. I really can't complain about my my situation right now. And yeah, just doing my thing and uh, loving every minute of it. So why don't we get into it? Obviously, when, when we look at the NHL and last year, the Islanders were just not having a good season. They did not play very well last season. And and now this season, uh, it's a complete transformation. Uh, maybe because they the first first month they they didn't they actually played home games, and maybe uh, with the COVID nineteen situation, they didn't lose players nine players in two weeks, which went, they went on a twelve game losing streak. So, what is the difference of this team? Is it Lambert? Is it really Lambert? And and the way he's defined this offense and defined these lines, what do you think is the change of the New York Islanders this year? I think the difference is they're playing more aggressive offensively and we could go on all day and night about everything that happened last year, everything that happened last year. It was just a combination of everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. And I feel like they basically threw it out the window start right after the season ended. And they came into this season, you know, saying that, you know, we have a chip on our shoulders and we want to prove a point again, that we're still one of the best teams in this league when they're still, still one of the best teams in the Eastern conference. And they've done that so far. And, even just watching them tonight, they're a resilient bunch. I mean, they were down four to one. They're only down by a goal with 10, 15 left to play. And they could easily tie this game and they could get they could steal a point out of this game against Nashville. But what I'm seeing is they're also capitalizing on their opportunities, all because they are playing more aggressive offensively. I'm I mean, I'm seeing it a lot more. And they well, now it's five three. So there goes that. But um <laughs> no, just guys are playing a lot, they're doing a lot more simpler things offensively instead of like last year, it just seemed like everybody from the start had it rough. J.G. Pajot had it rough. Zach Parise had it rough. Matthew Barzell had it rough. Just all these guys that they needed to be offensive contributors just didn't get off to the greatest start, and they just never recovered. And it hurt them in the long run because they went a long stretch without winning. And as you said, the COVID and everything that compiled with it, it just made things that much more tougher. So I feel like 
what we're seeing this year from them that's good is the offense is really playing. They're, they're showing a lot more creativity and they're being they're scoring a lot more goals. And I think complement that with their defense, which is still very, very solid and great goaltending from Sorokin and and Varlamov. And the, they are where they are this year. I mean, it's still early. It's only 18 games, but there's a lot to like about it so far. So the goal scoring prowess has definitely been the biggest thing of note for the Islanders too. And a lot of the veteran guys stepping up, bouncing back. Bovillier had a bad year bouncing back. Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, guys like that playing back to their top forms. Um, do you think, how many of these players do you think can be sustainable throughout the whole year in terms of what their current production is? Well, I think Brock Nelson can definitely, I know he got off to a slow start again this year, but he's really come on of late. He's leading the team in goals right now. That's not a surprise. I, I pegged him to score 40 goals this year because I mean, I know he had a high, high shooting percentage last year, and that's why he scored 37, which was his career high. But he's a guy who could score 40 goals. And um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he hits that this year. Um, I mean, a guy like Anthony Pavillier, uh, he's had a rough he's had a rough couple of games the past couple of games, but he's still it's like it's hit or miss with him by now. Like that's just the way Islander fans know it by now, and the basically the rest of the league knows that he's a hit or miss type of guy. He could be great on some nights and then he could just be absolutely invisible on others. And, you know, they need a guy like him. They've needed a guy like him to step up for a long time and it just hasn't happened. But it's, as I said, it's only 18 games. There's still a lot of season left. He could, he can honestly go on a hot streak. Um, you're seeing much more better production out of Zach Parise. You're seeing better production out of guys like JG Pajot. Andrews Lee is off to a great start this year. I mean, it seems after he's finally fully healthy, which was great to hear. But I think it took him such a long time last year to finally get his legs under him. And then once he finally found them, he's been able to really, you know, get him, bring his game back to the level he was before the injury, which was he was a goal scoring machine. He could have had 30 goals the pandemic year, the last time we spoke. And that injury kind of cost him. And he was just never the same after that. But now he's really playing to the level everyone knows he's at. And it's really helping. It's made the team a lot more better. We are talking to NHL.com and NHL media producer Rob Top. So, the, the Rangers, everybody thought that the Rangers were going to be the predominant top two seed in the uh, the Metropolitan Division and, and throughout the Eastern Conference. They're, even though they're playing decent hockey and, and everybody says, well, they're not playing that bad, but they're 8-6 and six right now this year. They've had three overtimes. They have 19 points, but they really haven't played at the top of their games. And maybe that has a lot to do with maybe, uh, obviously, players not playing up to par this year. I mean, there's a bit of Jets started strong. Panarin has been fantastic, but there are other guys who scored, and you know who I'm talking about, he scored 50 goals last year, and I told, I spoke about him going into the offseason, and, and and I said that the Rangers should trade him when he's at his high point, and they decided to keep him, and now, you look at it right now, this is a, a second year where he's not scoring goals, he's not putting the puck in the net, and, and, and this is a problem. This is a problem for the Rangers. If they can't score goals, they're not a defensive team, and, and Shesterkin has not had a really good st- strong start. So what do you think the problem is with the New York Rangers right now? I think the problem is everyone knows the book on them now. I think that you see if they don't get spectacular goaltending night in and night out from Igor Shesterkin, they're a beatable team. I've seen it on a lot of nights so far this year. There's been games, the Detroit game, they were up 2 nothing. It was only three weeks ago. They're up 2 nothing. They end up blowing a two-goal lead. They lose in overtime. Now, granted, Yaro Halak was in net that, but it's still, you got to win that type of game. I mean, those are the games you have to win. The Islander game, uh, for another example, Shostarkin's in that. You have a 4-2 lead going into the third period. Got to shut it down. And they just let the Islanders come right, run right through them in the third period. 
I feel like, and you made the point about Chris Kreider. I think he's starting to find his legs again. He's starting to find that goal scoring prowess. I do think last year might've been an anomaly. Mm -hmm. I I mean, a lot of people I talk to say like this year, if he hit 35 goals, they'd be satisfied. And I kind of agree with that. But to me, you score 50 goals one year. I think you should still be, you know, close to the 40, 45 range the following year. And I don't know. I I think that with the Rangers, I still think their bottom six is not that strong. Uh, I mean, you're seeing it now where they're, they're kind of flip-flopping in between keeping Ryan Reeves in the lineup, a guy who was always playing last year Mm -hmm. and now he's not and uh, i don't know the guys you have guys like capo caco and lafra and alexis lafreniere who are good they're good players they showed in the playoffs but it just seems like it hasn't translated so far this year and they have a guy vitaly kratsov who just can't seem to stay on the ice he seems to always be getting hurt not to his own fault but it seems like he needs to learn how to protect himself better that's another guy that they thought was going to be a difference maker this year especially in their bottom six and it just hasn't worked out that way and it's tough to it's tough to see, but I really feel that their game, and I really don't want to speak about the defense because I think Keandre Miller is a really good player. I think Adam Fox is Adam Fox. He's mm-hmm. a stud, mm-hmm. and they've got other guys like Ryan Lindgren and you know Zach Jones, uh, Zach Jones, and other guys who just maybe haven't had the years that they wanted to so far. Add that up with not so great goaltending a lot, like most of the most of the time, and it's going to come back to bite them, and it has so far, but. As always, it's still early. It's still very, very early, and there's a lot of hockey left to be played. It's uh, I, I learned this I learned this quote a long time ago. It's not a sprint; it's a marathon, mm-hmm. and we'll see. You know who is standing in the end. Right now, I mean, I think the Rangers are still going to be a playoff team, but I think they they could take a step. They they've sort of so far taken a step back. I wish Rick Nash could take that advice. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Then he wouldn't wipe out on the board so many times. Yeah. And uh, so my question my question is about the dilemma of, do you break up the kid line that a lot of Ranger fans were having at the beginning of the season because they did so well in the playoffs. It was consistently their best line in those three playoff series. And now Capo Caco's gotten a lot of good first line opportunities. We've seen Lafreniere get a couple, not as much because Capo Caco's done well with that kind of thing. Uh, what do you think they should approach this way going forward? Do you think they should get the top six opportunities or do you put the them back together i think they should just i think you got to find them their niche in the top six look i mean the playoffs are a totally different ball game than the regular season and you'll do whatever line you think is working that's what you're going to go with but i think right now to put them back together it might spark them but i think that they're still it's still so early to really just like to make that decree like oh we're just going to change it just to change it just to find a spark. like of course you want to find a spark but let's say they do that and a couple games later, like they have a really bad game together. They're going to get broken up. They're still, they're still very young. They're very young. They're young kids. And I think trying to find that right place for them in the lineup is more important right now than putting them back together. I really do. I, I think that that's, what's going to be what gets the Rangers to play a more consistent, like have a more consistent uh, like flow offensively. Cause I mean, yeah, I can go look at the game they played against Arizona and they scored a bunch of goals, but that's Arizona. The Arizona is not that great defensively and not that great in goal. But I look at other teams and you have those guys, like those guys just aren't a factor most of the time. So I think right now the, the game plan in place should be see how things play out. And then if you want, and then if Gallant wants to throw them back together, you do that. But I don't think that's, I don't think you go to that at this moment unless like you're in de- unless you're in desperation mode as everybody knows we are talking to 
NHL.com and NHL media producer Rob Tob. What is going on with the New Jersey Devils? I have no idea what this team is all about. Nobody thought they were this good. I mean, Jack Hughes is finding his legs. He's still very young, but he's finally becoming that star that everybody thought he was going to be. Nico Hershier, he's he's been a great player. Jesper Bratt, Jesper Bratt, mm-hmm. who everybody everybody doesn't even know who he is. He's five foot ten, small guy, speed. He's the best player right now on this Devils team. Hamilton, who's who they spent a lot of money in the offseason the year before, is finally uh, showing why they, they opened up their pockets for him. What is the New Jersey Devils? Are they this good? I think they are good. I can't say that they are really, really good. I, I know this run has been unbelievable for them. The way that they've won games, the way that they've stolen games, and you were point, as you were pointing out, Jack Hughes, he's been a stud. I watched the play that he made in overtime that led to the game winner tonight. That's a group. That's a elite level play that he made, and he basically he helped win his team the game. What I think they're getting right now is they're getting everyone to buy in, and they're getting contributions from everybody. It's not just their offense; it's their defense, it's their goaltending. Everyone I talked to in the off season and saw, and I went on a NJ Dell, I went on a Devils podcast with a few friends of mine, and I said they will not go anywhere this year unless they get goaltending. And right now they're getting it. Uh, it stinks what happened to Mackenzie Blackwood. It seems like he just has a string of bad luck. And you've got Vitek Vanacek, who, you know, last year in Washington didn't really like give, uh, didn't really do himself that many favors. But this year he's been tremendous. And he had another great game tonight, only gave up two goals. And I just think they're getting contributions from everybody and they're playing with swagger. They've got, they're young, they're fast, they're a hard team to play against. And if you don't have, and if you you have the wrong matchup against them, they're going to expose you. And they've done it to a bunch of teams so far. But I feel yes, they've won eleven games in a row. I need to see this happen for a full season before I declare them a playoff team and possible real contender. I still think it's early, and I've seen where the Devils have had great starts the past couple of years, and then they just fell off the tracks. Mm. And I think a lot of that had to do with injuries, had to do with subpar goaltending and guys just not being consistent enough. Now they're getting guys who are playing a lot more consistent hockey. Jesper Bratt is a superstar in the making. If they do not sign him, it'll be a huge, huge mistake. I do see them signing him in the offseason. Not to like take from the Aaron Judge playbook. I think he bet on himself this year and was like, all right, I'm going to go out there and prove I'm one of the best players in the NHL and you're going to pay me at the end of the day. I'm going to make you guys pay me at the end of the day. So it's Bratt, it's Hughes. All their guys are like they're just running they're running on flames right now and it's showing and i'm happy for my fan my friends who are devil fans i just still think i'm not ready to declare them a bona fide playoff team Mm. just can't can't do it just yet Mm. speaking of defenders that are making a lot of money uh eric carlson has been now rumored as potential trade candidate earlier this week the sharks they're only one point back of a playoff spot right now but again uh still struggling ever since they spent all that money and made the trade for him so it's about i think he had 16 points last time i checked uh is this the time to make that kind of trade or do you see them waiting later in the season or maybe riding it out a little longer I think with the way the Sharks are this year, and they're definitely in a rebuild, and their GM already said that they're willing to listen to offers. If you can get a good package for Carlson, you do it. And I think it will come more toward the deadline or maybe even like in the weeks leading up to it. Look, he somehow found the fountain of youth this year with the way he's playing. And it's great to see because for the past couple of years, 
he just hasn't been in the conversation of, like he was when he was a Norris candidate, uh, you know, not even four or five years ago. Mm. So it's great to see him find his game again. And, you know, even the Sharks are a young team and he's a, vet- he's a veteran leader on that team. And I think any Stanley Cup contender or team that is on the verge of being a playoff team, I'm not even going to say, I'm not going to mention any teams, to get him and the way he's playing right now, like that'd be huge. I mean, that'd be absolutely huge. He would bring in a ton of experience. He bring in a guy who could definitely still produce and could still give you, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a night, which is awesome. And I, I just know I, okay. Five, four, sorry. But, he's, uh, he's excited. He, he wants the no, Islanders not, to pull this off. Excited, I, listen, I, I'm an this Islander fan not, too, man. I'm an Islander this game's fan not, too. This game's not over. It's like no. it's never over with these guys, which is which is great, but it's also – it's That has a lot watch. to do with the coaches <laughs> and, and the coaching. Oh, yeah. I believe Lambert, he, he has something instilled in these guys that never say die. The Islanders have the most third-period comebacks in the NHL this year, which it, is crazy. It, even going back to last year, like when they got down most of the time, they were done. You know, they would, they would, they were done. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the right word. They were done. They wouldn't, they really want to push back as much. Now they are. And you're seeing it right now. As I said earlier, if they get a point out of this game. That's a win in my book, because the way that the first, I would say 25 minutes of this game, they were in, they were awful, like legit awful. But if they can get a point out of this game, I'll take that any day of the week. My question for you, and it's a very interesting question, and we are talking to NHL.com and NHL media producer producer Rob Top um, about the Islanders. What is the story? Now, I heard some stories about, obviously, Barry Trotz on why he dis- – why Lou Lamorello parted ways with him. Uh, some people said he lost the locker room uh, during the, the end of the season. Some people say that him and Barzell were not getting along. Uh, there were some people saying that, I mean, you're a writer, you, you have the inside scoop. What was the reason why Lou Lamorello started and decided to part ways with one of the best coaches in the NHL? Well, you mentioned them losing the locker room, him losing the locker room. He did not lose the locker room. I think, and I was talking about this with someone last night. I think that Barry was not willing to commit long-term because his contract was going to be up this year. And maybe I think Lou had it in the back of his mind that, okay, if he's not willing to commit, I will let him go and I'll let Lambert run the show because obviously it looks as it so far, they see Lambert as the long-term answer, like the next long-term coach, mm-hmm. the long-term answer, because he's had NHL coaching interviews, uh, uh, head coaching interviews before with other teams and no one seemed to give him a job. Now he has a job. And I think the way that Lou spoke about him, not even just last season, but in the off season when he when he hired when he uh, promoted him, that there was something that he, that he saw in Lambert that maybe it was just he's the right guy for this team, and right it's showing so far. I I mean the way that they're playing right now, I, I can't deny that. But I also think he's pushing the right buttons too. Like even go back to uh, last when they played the Rangers last week. Uh, it was either, yeah, it was last week, mm-hmm. and. You know, Wall Street, Oliver Wall Street was having a terrible first. I mean, yeah, absolutely awful first period. And he, there was a clip, and I, I actually clipped it myself, where he ha- was talking to him in, bet- uh, in between, um, uh, what's it called shifts uh, in between yep. break. Yeah, in between mm-hmm. sh- no uh, during the break, mm-hmm. and just you know, tell him just relax. You know, be just relax your game. You'll be fine. And it was one play that caught my eye, which the way the Islanders came back in that game. 
where Wallstrom at the end of the second period, he hit the crossbar and it would have made it a four, three game. It would have made it a four, three game. And then it was like, all right, I think he, I think Wallstrom's going to be fine. He got, he started to play much better towards the, uh, the end of the second period and played good in, into the third period. So I think with Lambert, I think he's pushing all the right buttons as it comes, as it goes to Barry. I mean, I've listened to a lot of what he has said about, I mean, he doesn't want to talk about last year that much. And I, I understand but it seems like he was burnt out and I, and I can't disagree with him last year with the stopping and the starting and, and everything it, it, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who wouldn't be burnt out with, with all, all that stuff that all the outside stuff that came with the season and all the stuff that happened during the season where the Isles just never could get a consistent like flow to their game or they couldn't get in any rhythm. So I think it comes back to that. And I think Barry also wanted to take some time off, which, totally understand i mean he gave me he gave the islanders some of the best years Islander, the team the fans the organization whatever some of the best years they've had in a long time so i give him full credit for that i'm thankful for that that he did that he was able to get that out of this team but i think it was it might have been time for him to go i just think there were other circumstances other than oh he lost the locker room which i don't think he did i think him and barzell yeah they had a maybe an up and down relationship but i don't think that uh, it had anything to do with that. I just think it, it just was the time it was timing. So another guy that's been on the trade block last year and also a little bit, maybe not as much this year is Patrick Kane. Now the Rangers were big rumors for him in the off season. Potentially. I, I personally, as a Ranger fan, I think they need centers more than they would need a winger like that because they've been awful with faceoffs. But do you see Patrick Kane getting traded, whether it's to the Rangers or t- uh, across the league just this year? Because obviously last year, what happened with the whole uh, Joel Quenville situation kind of lost the value. I think it could definitely happen. I mean, of course, he's going to be the hottest thing come the deadline if the if the Blackhawks. I mean, I don't I really don't watch them on the daily basis, but I know that they haven't had the greatest start to the year. Sorry, haven't had the greatest start to the year, <laughs> and everyone like his name was floating around the offseason. I know for the Islands and for the Rangers personally, I think the Islands could probably use some more oh, than the Rangers. Absolutely, can. I've talked to people and thrown out names of who I would trade first, like who would be in the package for him. Of course, I could see him being traded. Like he's one of the best players in the. He's been one of the best. He's a generational player, and I know people would say, "Oh, he's getting older," but that doesn't matter. Like he's still one of the elite guys in this league, and he's a game changer, and he's a goal scorer. So you factor in all three of those, and any team would trade for him. And I believe if the Islanders are in a position to where they can trade for him, do it, like go all in. But if like, if you're not, there's un, it's not necessary. I also think that you look at the rate from the Rangers standpoint, if they know that this is the year that they believe they're going to win the Stanley cup, make the trade for him, do whatever you can. If you have to trade Kako, if you have to trade Lafreniere, you do it. You have, you just, you do it. You have, there's no, there's no ifs, ands or buts when it comes to that, but it's, it's still too early. I, I who knows? I don't know if uh, Kane's if he's enjoying playing in Chicago maybe uh, this year. I mean, I know they're in a rebuild, but you know maybe he wants to. He just wants to play one, with one team the rest of his career, mm. and I would admire that. But we'll see. It's. It's oh, it's just like there's too many there's too many factors. Man, they lost five four. Yeah, well, I, I didn't think they were going to come back from that. I will say this: it, the Islanders are showing you that there is no guarantees, even with the leads that you have against them in the third period, that they can't come back. Yeah, I mean, they hit four posts tonight, which was you know, uh, you take a, you take one of those, and it's a completely different game. So, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll it's, see. It, they... it, it's only, 
it's their third loss in their last twelve games. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose my mind over them losing a game like tonight. No, I mean Soroka's got to play better too. He has to play better. He gave up two really bad goals in this game. I think. I, well, two of them were weird, weird bounces that you know had, probably not gonna be able to stop. I mean, the for the first goal was a rebound, mm-hmm. and then the third goal was not his fault. He uh, it went off a Dobson skate and mm-hmm. went in. There's nothing he could do about that, you know. No, and 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 I I I think the the key to this team, and before we let you go, I think the key to the Islanders, and we are talking to uh, NHL.com and NHL media producer Rob Top, but I, I think the. I think what I see with this team, it's it really lies on Sorokin. I think Sorokin will be, if the Islanders have any chance in the playoffs and, and to go all the way this year, which, remember, a lot of people had the Islanders being the favorites of winning the Stanley Cup last year. There were a ton of people that thought the Islanders were going to win the Stanley Cup before the season even started uh, because of the back-to-back years in the Eastern Conference Finals. In the, and they, they, took, they, they took the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Stanley Cup champions, to... Two a game seven, and they gave up a shorthanded goal right, what against uh, against uh, against that. And by the way, that shouldn't have counted because there were too many men on the ice. So, uh, nevertheless, I'm not going to make any excuses to it. The Islanders really took them to the final the final part of that game where they could have won that game too. And if the Islanders won that game, they beat Montreal in the Stanley Cup, and the Islanders win the Stanley Cup. So mm-hmm. uh, I, everybody thought that they were going to win this year. I think Sorokin is so very important to to get this kid moving in the right direction. I think he's one of the top three, top four goaltenders in the NHL, and he's proven it really for the last couple of weeks. This wasn't a game that I can it really brights up who he is as a player. But I, 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 what do you think? Do you think he is the key for the Islanders to go all the way this year and maybe be a Stanley Cup contender? I don't. I don't know if I would say he's the he's the key. I think them getting the necessary scoring is the key. But I, the way I see Sorokin, and you were talking about it just now, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. And tonight was an off night for him. It happens. Probably have a bounce back game the next time he starts, whether it's in Dallas or in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I. Maybe you can. Maybe he does it. Their playoff hopes and Stanley Cup aspirations hinge on him but i don't think they do at this moment in time i think them being a playoff contender and them fighting for a stanley cup does hinge a bit on him because he is that good and he can carry this team but you can't also forget about Semyon varlamov because he's a very very capable backup and he's shown it again this season he also last year i can't stand him i can't i don't know why last year was a the way I'm watching him this year, last year was a fluke for him, just like it was for a lot of guys. He's still very valuable. And they're going to trade him. He, I don't know. See, I can't give that a yes or a no if they're going to do that. <laughs> I think they, I, they I, just get, I just can't right now. No, not, not right now, but I think at the trade deadline, if they're, if well, they're I, looking, I think if they're no. looking for an offensive firepower to help Barzell, you know, in the, on that first line, uh, Volamov is a guy that <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of teams looking for that, that goaltender. Maybe you trading Valama form. You might be right, but if you could keep Varlamov and have that one-two punch at least for the, till the end of this year, I really don't think they trade Varlamov unless they bottom out, which I can't see happening with the way they're playing so far. I mean, unless things go completely haywire, uh, then you okay, then you trade him and get something back for him. But the way him and Sorokin their relationship, you don't mess with that. I really don't think you mess with that unless. You have to make a decision that, all right, it's time for him to go. 
it's not the time right now. I, after this season, it could be, but who knows? They could possibly bring him back on a if he wants to take you know a pay cut, come back on a one or two year deal, making two two and a half million dollars. That helps the Islanders out a bunch. So I can't like the way you're describing Varlamov. I think I understand why you think it's necessary to trade him to get a score, but the way that the team is playing this year. And you're seeing guys step up. Yeah, but and, you know, I agree. Who, who I agree. Where, who knows where this team will be by the trade deadline? Hopefully I agree. in a playoff spot. But I don't think it. I don't think trading Barlamov is the right move right now, unless things just don't work out this season. That, that's really how I see. Just it. so everybody knows, everybody that took shots at Lou Lamorello that he didn't get his guy and that he's past his time. Uh, I don't think anybody's saying that again. This is the same guy for four years he's been there. This is his fifth year with the Islanders. He's been a two-time GM of the year. So just for everybody to take shots at a guy that they think he's passed his time, uh, this could be another year that somehow the Islanders get get into the playoffs. And I'm saying somehow because I don't know what's going to happen as the season progressively opens up for these teams. And then he makes a trade at the trade deadline, which he's done – you know, back-to-back years where he was GM of the year because of those trades, uh, nobody's going to say he's past his time. So I, I think that the Islanders are in a very good position to be a, a very successful powerhouse team in the Eastern Conference this year. Um, Rob, we really appreciate you joining us. You're fantastic. Keep up the good work. I've been reading all your stuff, man, man since you, uh, you, you left with the Islanders, now working for the NHL, and I, I just love what you're doing, man. I appreciate that, guys. I really do. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking to NHL.com and NHL media producer Rob Top. We'll have him on again, guys. Don't worry. As the season progressively comes to an end, I'm sure he'll have his own thoughts to his Islanders, my Islanders, yes, on where the Islanders could go at the trade deadline. That's when we'll have him on because I think it'll be really, really fun because trade deadline's so interesting. It well, really is. Will the Islanders trade Varlamov? <laughs> I think I think they will. I, I know he doesn't think so, but I I think they will. I really do. I, I I think I don't know if they're bringing him back because he could start on any other team. There are teams that would love a guy like Falamov. Edmonton, yeah, they made a move. Uh, they added uh, Campbell, right? I Campbell, think it, yep. It, Campbell, and he was a good goaltender, but. I, Campbell's not the same goaltender he was last year. Okay, <laughs> they're always look for a goaltender. There are other teams that are always looking for a goalie. So Volamov could start on any other team. And I remember when he came from Colorado and Speedy, you didn't like the move when the Islanders brought him there. No, because he was fluky. Yeah, that yeah. one great year that was was average pretty much after that. That he, he kind of did the same thing with the Islanders. Had the breakout first couple seasons, and then yeah. all of a sudden it wasn't there for. Him. Well, I, 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 it, just, I just, it just shows you like the thinness of the goalie position right now too. Like there's only like a few really. T- Top ones right now. Yeah, it, it, the problem with Volamov and what bothers me about Volamov in, in in games that I want him to play well against teams that I think he should be playing well against, he plays and he lays up a lousy goose egg. And then there are games that I've seen him play against better teams. And I'm like, oh, where is this guy? Where where has he 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 been all this year? So I just I don't know. And he can't beat the Rangers for some reason. He can't beat the Rangers. It really makes me sick. Yeah, when I watch the <laughs> Rangers beat him. that makes up for the. Uh... Eight years we had to witness Halak just own the Rangers when. Uh, Wait, are you you saying Borlamov can't beat the Rangers? They can't be can't beat the Rangers. Yes, he can. He's five and zero against them in his past five games. Uh, really? Yeah, and uh, and Shesterkin is one seven and one against the Islanders in his career so far. I I, I don't think so. I think the uh, the last two times that two times this year Sorokin played against them. No, the 
Sorokin played the first game, shut him out, and then the Islanders won the last game 5-4. The Volom- that was Varlamov. Volamov yeah. won that game, yes. Yeah, and he's won five straight at Madison Square Garden against them. Five he straight against them. Madison Square Garden. He hasn't won five straight against the uh, the Rangers. Because he, he well, lost... Uh, well, no, but he owns them at the Garden. Yes, he really owns them, them at the Garden. Came. Yes, He's owned them really... He's actually really owned them since he came here, too. It's not just at what, the Garden. What guard. is this... Speedy, I want, you to, I want you to look up his record against the Rangers since he's been an Islander. Because mm-hmm. that's interesting to me, because... I, every time I watch him play against the Rangers, and I'm not talking about the Garden, when he's in at the Coliseum, he doesn't win. So, it, and it really bothers me. Uh, it, and it doesn't matter. They played uh, uh, Gorgiev, Gorgiev, uh, Gorgiev versus, yeah. versus Volomov last year. Gorgiev always beat Volomov last year whenever he played against Volomov. Uh, maybe not Shosturkin, but uh, Gorgiev. But I, we'll definitely look up that number. I, I, every time I watch him play against the Rangers, he loses. I'm I, I guess I don't watch all the Ranger Islander games. I'm I'm very busy, uh, as as everybody knows. I we we talk all sports, but I, I am a huge Islander fan, and I I always want to see what the Rangers do and what the Islanders do against one another. And uh, I, I've watched almost every single Islander game this year. I didn't watch tonight's game. That's the, that's the only the second game out of uh, what. How many games have played? 15? Uh, 17? 18. 18 games? 18. I, I've watched 16 out of 18 games this year, and I've watched all the you know all the minutes and and and, and periods for those games. So uh, I, I'm rooting for the Islanders. I want the Islanders to be uh, a dominant force in the NHL because I want to shut every doubter out. The Ranger fans can't stand the Islanders, and it makes me laugh. When I was... When I was at the Islander Ranger game uh, uh, at um, the UBS Arena, and the, and Sorokin shut him out, it was the funniest thing. After the game, it was so loud with the Ranger fans. There were so many Ranger fans. It was like a it was like a ghost town walking out of the stadium, and the Islander fans just gave it to the Ranger fans. Gave it to them. It was so funny. And uh, seven five and one he is against the Rangers since he's joined the Islanders. Well, that's not overall bad. in his career twelve eight and two. Oh, that's good. But uh, seven five and one, it's no. Uh, but every time I watch him play against the Rangers, he loses. I guess in the the, the National Coliseum, the UBS Arena, he just for some reason maybe he has he, maybe he's five and zero oh against the Rangers he, at Madison Square Garden. But Rob, but Rob is right on this though. He does have five shutouts. Mm. Oddly enough. Uh, he had he had one uh, at the end of last season, April first last season. Uh, two at the end of the twenty twenty one season, the shortened mm. season, and then uh, two earlier. What's right his at the goals beginning against of that, against the Rangers? The, uh, the beginning of that season, uh, two uh, two point five two. That's good. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, every time I I see him play him, uh, he doesn't win. So. No, no, it's hit or miss. I've been <laughs> yeah. I've been to I've been to three. Ranger Islander games in the last three years. And every single one of those games, except this one uh, with Sorokin, uh, where he won 3 nothing. Two out of the three, he lost against uh, Shostak in one game, and he lost against Gorgiev. So I, I, I well, the the game the game against Shostakin that was the first game the two teams played at UBS Arena last year. The Islanders were playing with basically an AHL lineup. So what is I just thought I'd throw that. I just thought I'd throw that little fact in there. Twelve, eight, and two, but can't beat them. Ha ha! Good call, dummy. Oh, there's Jeff with his stupidity. Thank you. Uh, Jeff always being stupid as always on our feet. Uh, uh, that 
That comes from a Boston Bruin fan that said, oh, I'm sorry, the Bruins were going to be horrible until the second half of the season. Did he not say that? Yes, he did. And, and the Bruins are one of the best teams in the NHL. That just shows you how stupid you are, dummy, because you don't they're know anything. As, they're as surprising a team right now yeah. as any uh, – I did not expect them to be. Me neither. The way they've been playing. I thought the injuries were going to finally Chelsea. catch up to them and yeah. they were going to finally take a step back, but – they're just proving again that they're the, they're still the Bruins and uh, mm-hmm. don't count them out. Yeah, and, that, and, and I was thinking Ottawa and Detroit would improve. And, too. and that comes from. And by the way, I think it's still early for them. They're yeah, I think I'm they're not. still in the they're still in the beginning phases. Yeah, I mean you you saw with Detroit, Ottawa. I still think they need to get a few more pieces. Buffalo is starting to come back to come come back down to earth. Even though I thought <laughs> this year was going to be when they, I thought they were going to make their jump this year but they still need goaltending and they're waiting on their, their franchise goaltender. Hopefully it will be there next year. You're talking about Ottawa, right? No, I'm talking about the the Sabres. Oh, the Sabres. We'll see. We'll see. They're always good for a month and a half and then just fall off the rest of the season. (laughs) Uh, Basically the the Colorado Rockies of hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rob. We really appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Rob Tom. Fantastic. Yes. He really is. Good kid. Uh, he's doing a good job for the NHL.com. And, of course, uh, Jeff over there uh, just opening his big fat mouth. Uh, what's he gobbling up? Uh, I can't, I'm can't. i sure he's looking forward, ladies and gentlemen, to turkey time because he can stuff his dumb stomach up. So there you go. Uh, Jeff and his Boston Bruins. Boston Strong, all right. Uh, the same guy, the same dummy that came out and said, oh, I'm sorry. The Boston Bruins aren't going to be any good until the second half of the season when they get healthy. And right now, they're the best team in the NHL. So it shows you how much you know, Jeff. And now you're bragging because the Islanders lost against the Coyotes. And now tonight, boo-hoo. Yeah, yeah, boo-hoo, Islanders. Yeah, well, I can't wait until December. What is it? December, December 3rd? December 13th. 13th? Play in Boston. I can't wait until that game because when that happens and the Islanders just run all over the Boston Bruins and beat them in Boston, I am going to shove the turkey down your throat and you're going to gobble it up. Gobble, gobble, gobble. That's all I'm going to say about that. Stuck <laughs> says I'm making a turkey cupcake this year. Good. <laughs> and you could give it to Jeff after the Islanders beat him December 13th. <laughs> Anyways, what a day. Oh, gives me a break. Give me a break. Anyways, um, Andy Martina reports that the MLB is investigating Aaron Judge, uh, the Aaron Judge, uh, Judge sweepstakes with the Mets and the Yankees. And I will say this for all the fans out there. I do believe that it should be investigated because if there's any truth to this story with Steve Cohen and obviously Hal Steinbrenner, who uh, they're both very close. They're very good friends. And uh, there were stories coming out that uh, Steve Cohen told Hal that he has no interest in going after Aaron Judge because uh, he wants to make sure that he stays a Yankee. So... Uh, I I don't know if this story is true. Some people say that it is. If it is, Steve Cohen and uh, Al Steinberg are going to have to speak to the commissioner and uh, give their takes on this story to be true or false. And if it is, they could be fined or they could lose draft picks. Uh, That's not a good sign right now when it comes to baseball. You don't want these two owners to build relationships. The Yankees and the Mets hated each other. 
And now Steve Cohen, he, he's built good relationships over the years as obviously a hedge fund guy. And now with Hal and, uh, and now Steve Cohen really um, over the last couple of years opening his pocket, spent over a billion dollars. It's very interesting to hear. And, and by the way, Jeff, it's not Cohen cheating. or it's the, That has nothing to do with cheating. All they did, uh, the stories coming out that here in New York, and I don't remember who was writing this story, uh, that Steve Cohen and Hal Steinberg are good friends, and Steve told the Yankees that he's not interested in Aaron Judge because he wants him to stay a Yankee. Well, yeah, and Josh even mentioned it on the weekend, Crunch, too. Like It, it, was only, it wasn't a, re- officially reported at that time. Yeah, but it was, you don't it, know if it's there, true There either. was There was definitely some speculation, which, in a way, it's a form of tampering. I wouldn't go as far as cheating, but it's a form of tampering because it's going to hinder the market value. And we've discussed it many times that Steve Cohen is likely not to get into a bidding war as it is, but the Mets are already having so many big contracts. And you know Brian Cashman's going to be smart about it, too, where he's not going to give him three hundred. If he's not going to push past three hundred, he's not going to be a Yankee anyways. He's not going to be a Yankee. I don't think so either at this point. Unless again, if Aaron Judge really does prefer a shorter contract with a higher average annual value, that's what it'll come down to. I agree with you. I'm thinking his heart's in San Francisco right now. But again, again, the money could end up talking if there is end up being more of a bidding war down the road. I still think definitely the there. The Dodgers could try to steal him from the Giants, too, especially if they don't bring back Trey Turner. There's always going to be that possibility. So there's going to be all those all those scenarios out there, but this definitely will lower his value, which I feel bad for Aaron Judge if that ends up being the case. If those two teams, the Mets and the Yankees, are going to spend a lot of money, aren't involved this much. I, I don't think the Yankees or the Mets are going to get him. I, I think he's heading to San Francisco. I've been saying that for two years, and I believe that's where he's heading. I, I, I can't see Aaron Judge signing a $300 million contract with the Yankees. I, I can't see it. And I and Hal Steinbrenner, everybody keeps saying that he's he's going the cheap way. He, he did pay uh, Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo got a pretty good contract for the Yankees for a guy that's uh, in his mid-30s, and he's not the same player he was with the Cubs. Now, he's a good player, and he had a good season. I, I just don't know if he's the same dominant force that he was with the Cubs. So, And he's not a all-star. He he played well as an all-star. He could have been an all-star for the American League, but there, you know, he he hits 220. And maybe it'll be different this year with there's no uh there's no whatchamacallit again, um shift. shift where you can't shift the players where there's opportunity to hit the ball all over the field. So maybe that will change the game. Maybe guys like Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo will be even better as hitters and hit for better averages. I think the average batting averages will, will go up because of the shift and the shift change this year. I, I guarantee it. It will go up. So I think the game will be different this year. And I, 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 there are players that had bad seasons last year, have better seasons this year. I do believe that. Um, also, uh, when it comes to uh, inquiries, uh, there's – there's some stories coming out right now in the NFL that Jeff Saturday didn't follow. Uh, well, the Colts didn't file, follow uh, the guidelines of the NFL uh, with Jeff Saturday and his hiring. Now, I don't know what the guidelines are. What are the guidelines, Speedy? It was connected to the Rooney rule a little bit with the minority candidates. Now, a lot of the assistant- It's not going to hold up. A lot of the assistant coaches they have are going to be interviewed first. They're African-American, so- yes. There's two African-Americans on their coaching staff. Uh, ownership and Ursa, he just hired Jeff Saturday for his interim coach. That's all he is. Mm-hmm. So it's not, that's why he's not going to get in trouble. Now, if he stays the head coach, and I don't think they'll do what they what they'll do in the offseason, and I believe this is going to happen with the Colts, they're going to say they're going to tell, even if they win and, and somehow Indianapolis 
is almost a playoff team, or they they sneak into the playoffs. I still believe they're going to interview and make sure that they have the Rooney rule, and they'll interview other coaches and African American coaches. So, and they'll still hire Jeff Saturday, but they'll do that in the in the off season. He can do whatever he wants. This is his team, and if he wants to hire an interim coach that's not on that roster, and he's you know he didn't interview anybody else. That's his decision for the final the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, th- that was all I was reading in that one article. But there definitely could be more because it was definitely a big surprise to a lot of people that he was the one that was hired too. In comparison to the other assistant coaches on their staff that have all the coaching experience, so maybe he they reach out to him first, or they reach out to him in a priority role. Maybe they give him a second interview and nobody else. I, it's tough to tell. Obviously, it's a it's not going to be the same as the longer hiring processes where you're going to have four or five candidates from outside sources or outside teams coming in that were previously coordinators and even college coaches. He took over a team from a guy that was fired, okay? And again, Jim Ursay could do whatever the hell he wants. It's his team. If he wants to, uh, he wants to coach the team for the rest of the season, he could do so. He is the owner of the team. Now, in the offseason, and he, before he hires Jeff Saturday as a full-time coach, he's going to have to follow the Rooney Room rule. And if he, if he doesn't, then he will be fine, and he will lose a draft pick, and, and there could be a problem with the NFL. I do not believe this is going to mean anything. They can, they can investigate this. The NFL is going to say he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. Now, I'm sure the coaches on that roster are not very happy about that. He, they've been there for, what, three, four years with Frank Wright? And, and, and everybody thought that they – maybe they thought that, that they had a better shot of getting the job if Frank Wright got fired. It, it just didn't work out that way. And Jim Ursay is a interesting owner, and he likes to do interesting things. and He likes to pull from the hip, so – he pulled from the hip and he hired a guy who works for ESPN as a broadcaster and never coached in his life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. No. Uh, all the Yankee fans, I don't think bashing Aaron Boone will probably be bashing him for the same thing. <laughs> uh, and here, well, all of a sudden, Carl shows up. You know, you have Carl, you have Jeff, and you have Snug. So you, you have uh, the three musketeers over here. <laughs> oh, man. Give me a break. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, so and, and then the Eagles signed defensive tackles Linville Joseph and Adamic and Sue. Um, I don't know why they did this. It doesn't really make any sense. I, I I don't think they need any defensive line help. I think they've they've had they have all the the backups they need to succeed for the rest of the season, but. Again, the Eagles have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. They want to make sure that they have enough beef up front. Uh, you know, when the playoffs come around, Adamic and Sue has won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Linville Joseph has won a Super Bowl before. I think it was with the Giants, right? Yeah, yeah, early in his career with yeah, the Giants. Yeah, so he, they, you have two guys that have won Super Bowls. So, again, I, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see uh, what the Eagles do in the playoffs. I don't know if they're playoff bound or they're going to be as good as they are in a regular season. Again, and I don't care what Fred Smoot said earlier, and I, <laughs> I love Fred. Freddie, Freddie is a nice guy and I, so much enthusiasm. I love that about yeah. him. He really is. He's great. I think he's wrong. I think that their schedules, and he says they play whatever's on their schedule. Maybe so, but uh, look who the Giants have beaten. Look who the, the Eagles have beaten. By the way, the one the, before anything, and and Minnesota has one loss against the Eagles this year. And, and and by the way, they they played very well defensively. They shut down Jefferson, and that's how you beat the Minnesota Vikings. The Eagles 
they proved the Commanders proved how to beat the Eagles. How do you beat the Eagles? Speedy, do you do you did you watch the game? Interior rush, I think, was the main thing that rushing beat the, Eagles. the ball if on you, offense. Yeah, if you rush the ball against them and keep the ball out of their hands, you can dominate, and that's what happened to the Eagles. They kept the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands, and then when Jalen Hurts and there were penalties in the fourth quarter, and everybody said, "Oh, the Eagles got screwed." Maybe they did, they did. but that, <laughs> but that's football. That is football. If you depend, everybody says this, even in, in mixed martial arts and in boxing. You cannot depend on the referees. You cannot depend on the card. If you depend on the card, you can lose. You you want to make sure you keep it away from uh, the the um, the judges and, and and what they think the the fight really turned out to be. And and, and you, you have to knock them out. You have to show considerably that you dominated the fight. And, and a champion always wins. Well, I'm not saying the commanders are the champions, hmm. but that's what happens. I think the I think what happened in that game was the commanders dominated rushing the ball. Gibson is a beast. And uh, the offensive line uh, of the, the the Washington commanders, I, they, they have like three te- They have three names in the last three years. I still vote for Sentinels. They had the Redskins, they had the Washington football team, and now they have the commanders. I, I, are they going to change the name next year? Or oh, what yeah. are they going to call I for, themselves? I forgot to ask Fred what he would have changed the name to. If they Damn. changed it to the Washington Spears, that would be racist and whatever they want to call it too. So I, I, I have no idea, but what I do know is the commanders are a fun team to watch. And, and, and Taylor, I believe Taylor Henneke should be starting the starting quarterback of that team as of right now, I, until he proves that he can't play or he's not the quarterback to move forward with this team. He deserves the opportunity to continue playing. I don't want to hear about he, he he's backing up Carlson Wentz. That's a crocket. You know what? Okay, I I don't believe, and I like Carlson Wentz, and I've stuck up for Carlson Wentz. I think he's a good quarterback, and he, and I think he's going to lose his job this offseason. He's going to go somewhere else. I do believe that's going to happen. Carl says Ursay is the second worst owner in the NFL, obviously behind the Commanders. Yeah, maybe true. <laughs> yeah, probably true. And maybe then, true. and of course, just says Michigan still sucks. Well, they're going to be playing for their uh, undefeated, undefeated probably next week against Ohio State. And uh, John Jansen will be uh, John Jansen will be loving that one. Hopefully, Michigan John Jansen's it. the next Detroit Lions head coach. That's right. So, just so everybody knows, and, and by the way, John Jansen is fantastic. Yeah. If you guys didn't hear the interview, boy, oh boy, you missed a great, great interview. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and I do believe he will coach. It, it, I don't know about the NFL, but college football, I think he will absolutely coach. He has the ability to coach. He's got the personality to coach. So, I, maybe the NFL will eventually give him a, you know an assistant coach job or something like that, or an mm-hmm. offensive line coach, and maybe he'll get become a coach one way or another. But I don't know if he wants to be a coach. I think he's great no, on the mic. Between him and between him and Fred Smoot, these uh, ex-Washington commanders have a lot him of— Him and Smoot would yeah. be great on, on a show together. They're a great personality. I, we should hook it up. I think we should hook it up. Fred Smoot and, and John Jansen together on a show. Smoot and Jansen. We'll call it Jansen and Smoot you know, or something like that. That's a great show. Um, Earl should be the next coach. His knowledge is beyond anyone. Like says, I wish they were the I wish they were the Washington Red Commander Bullets. Mm. That's pretty elaborate for a jersey, uh, unless well. it's a baseball jersey. But who knows? When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, our Week Eleven picks with our friend and our pal Derek Mountain here on the Sports Limeouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 
Oh, yeah, Speedy, you got the classics. 631-672-3108 is the number you're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mark Everett Kelly will be joining us in a little while, but we have our boy, our friend, and uh, the 7-7, seven and seven, Derek Mountain, this week. <laughs> we're oh. both, we were all 7-7, seven and seven, so it, it was a bad week for oh, all wow. of us. Yes, we were all bad. What are the chances of that? No, well, what is the chances? I don't know, but uh, it's been a bad week for all of us, and a lot of craziness with the NFL. You, you just yeah. you can't pick them, man. You really can't pick them. It, it was a tough week. I mean, no one was on Minnesota. No one was on the Commanders. I mean, there were just a lot of weird games last week. Uh, me and Speedy did get the Packers. No big deal. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, def- it was definitely a weird week. Did you have the Packers or Titans tonight, Derek? I had Tennessee 2017. I had Tennessee. Yeah, I Tennessee. thought that was such a good matchup for them. I wanted the Packers to win, but, uh, yeah. I had Tennessee. You got your two touchdowns. I got my two touchdowns by Watson, man. I, and by the way, I, you know, the Beeb was telling me the uh, – I, I was talking to Beeb before the show started, and we, I was making cracking jokes with Speedy, and, and, and the Beeb was telling me, well, I made so many moves too. I've made, uh, what, three less moves than you. And I said, yeah, but your moves stunk, okay? Because I, pu- I picked up uh, Justin Fields, who I think has been the best fantasy quarterback the last three weeks. I pick up Watson after the three touchdowns. He has two touchdowns this week. And every single pick that I've made were strategic because I believe, even with the young players, even Walker, I, I, uh, when, I, when I picked Kenneth, Kenneth Walker in the draft, I picked him in the 10th or 11th round. I know. You stole him from me. I wanted him. And I, I knew, I knew eventually Penny was going to get hurt and this kid was going to be really, really good. I didn't know how good he was going to be. But it, it was all strategic. So I, I, I think everything that I've done in fantasy, and if you watch me play in fantasy, I'm, I'm very good at fantasy football because I understand how to draft. And I understand it might, my team might not look great on paper at first. Speedy, Speedy would tell you that I had one of the top three teams in our league, even though my points would not show that. Okay, when when you look at the fantasy right now in our league with the beef, Speedy, there's what ten teams, and I have the second lowest points, but I'm in second place. So how does that make sense? It's called strategically picking the players the way you want and how the the weeks go and and who they match up against, and and that's how I I move and I divide my team from one week to the next, and and that's what makes a good fantasy guy, not by the talent that you have on paper. So. Derek, you got any fantasy teams? Of course he does. Oh, oh, I got five. Five. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in too many leagues. I but, used. I used uh, to be able yeah, to do that. I can't anymore. <laughs> it, no, it's a lot. It's way too much. I care about like three of them. Like, uh, like I care about two of them a lot. I care about another one, and then another two are like kind of throwaways. Um, it's too much though. Like. Even just like navigating like five waiver wires every week, like it's just way too much stuff like that. Tough to keep up. Snuck says the beef would claim Tony Dorsett and Danny White if you were on waivers. I actually like the I like, I like what Jeff just said. I'm laughing. I'm trying to giggle. He says Earl should work in his shipping and receiving in a chocolate factory. <laughs> 
Oh, you know, Jeff, you're you're so funny, man. Uh, you, you know, you should be working at the Cheesecake Factory factory with your stomach. So, anyways, uh, we're 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 not going to wait for Mark Everett. Yeah, he'll probably just come in. At some he'll just time. pop in whenever <laughs> yeah. he wants. Yeah. So why don't we get to it? We're going to go into our week eleven picks, like we have. For the last couple, Speedy, you have the records right now since I, we started I with. I haven't added them up. Well, since do it Derek. next week so we know what the the record since. Uh, obviously, Derek has come to the show and has done this. I think he's been doing it. I think this I think is since the fifth. week four. So this has been it's been about seven weeks. Seven weeks with Derek. So I, I definitely want to see the scores. I, I know I'm in the lead, but I want to know what the with the scores and where we are at. So we'll see what happens. So, and, Jeff, it could be as lame as your stomach. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. The first game is the Rams at the Saints. Uh, this will be a low-scoring game. Definitely bet the under if you're going to bet this game. I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I like their interior rush against a Rams offensive line that really has struggled this year. The Saints have had trouble stopping the run a little bit for their standards, but the Rams can't run the ball. Offensively, I like the matchup for Alvin Kamara against those uh, outside of Bobby Wagner, not great coverage linebackers. So I'll take the Saints in this one at home, 17-13. I, have, I can't get a read on this game, to be honest with you. I mean, these are probably two of the most like poorly positioned teams passed this year like two teams that kind of went all in in the versions of themselves and they both have three wins Rams don't have their first round pick this year Saints don't have their first round pick this year um it seems like they're both kind of waving the waving the white flag here no Cooper Cup for the Rams I don't know how they're going to move the ball but I'm going to take them just because I think Aaron Donald can take over this game um, I don't like the way Andy Dolan has played the last couple weeks. I, I, I'm shocked that they're going back to him. There's a little bit about Jameis Winston in a bad way. I feel bad for the guy, but I'm going to go with the Rams in this spot. I look at this game, no Cooper Cup. Uh, they're they're going to depend a lot on Allen Robinson. Matthew Stafford is 100%, and he hasn't really connected with Allen Robinson all season. They can't run the ball. Henderson hasn't really run the ball. Akers wants out of there. Where are they going when it comes to the offensive line? Their offensive line has been absolutely horrendous. Their defense, their secondary with Ramsey and, and all the, the safety help that they had this year. Their safeties are horrible. They can't do anything in the open field. And, and to me, the Saints, they're trying to figure out who their quarterback is. I think they're going to finally figure it out, I, obviously. Uh, Jameis is going to start tonight, uh, uh, this week, and I think they can run the ball. Kamara will have a better game. I, I don't know what the L.A. Rams are defensively is an, uh, anymore, and and I also believe the Saints have the better offensive, uh, you know, offensive weapons. Alave and all the other guys. I think they're going to be able to produce in this game. So give me the Saints in this game, uh, twenty. To 14. This feels like a weird Taysom Hill game, too, I feel like. All right. Uh, the Buffalo Bills at the Cleveland, or hosting the Cleveland Browns now in Detroit because of potentially six feet of snow coming down in Buffalo. So originally my score pick in Buffalo, if there was a snowball, would have been 14 to 12 Bills. But since it's back in the indoor stadium, I think that actually helps the Bills a lot because I don't think they were built as well for the for the cold. They're a smaller offense outside of Gabriel Davis and Josh Allen. They really have a lot of smaller backs, a lot of smaller receivers. And the Browns are a very powerful team with their tight ends, with the running game. So I think this would have been much closer. But since it's in an indoor stadium, I'm going to take the Bills in this one, 31 to 20. Yeah, I think the Browns were praying for this weather game to stay in Buffalo. It was going to help them. That would have been my pick if it stayed there for all the reasons that Speedy said. But in a dome where all the factors are controlled in a controlled environment. And Josh Allen, despite his boneheaded mistakes last week, he did look like himself. The arm talent was there. He was running. He was powerful. He was throwing the football down the field. 
Um, there were moments of promise last week. So I think he's just going to rip apart this Cleveland secondary that has been really, really spotty. Um, I am going to take Buffalo here 34-24. Oh, I love the Bills in this game. After the two back-to-back losses against the Jets in Minnesota and, and really listening to what Josh Allen had to say at the end of the game and really saying that he's just been not the quarterback uh, that he has been in the beginning of the season. I think he, he's putting a lot of pressure on himself, and I think he's going to go out there and he's going to show why he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And and, and here's the thing. I, I think the Browns will be able to run the ball against this Buffalo defense because they can't stop the run. So I think Chubb will have a great game, start him against this Buffalo Bills team. But a running back, especially when you fall behind against a, a firepower team like this, they're going to have to air the ball out. And, and Amari Cooper is the only weapon they have in the offensive side of the ball. I don't know what they are offensively. And until Deshaun Watson comes back, uh, which will be next week, uh, I don't think they're going to have much of an offense in this game. I think their defense could get at uh, the Bills, especially their running game, which is really nothing. And Josh Allen won't be able to run the ball, but they'll be able to throw the ball and air the ball out because they have so many injuries on the secondary for the Browns. So give me the Buffalo Bills. This is a blowout. I think Buffalo is going to put up a 40 spot in this game, 40 to 20. All right. Derek, your Philadelphia Eagles trying to bounce back after their first loss slash getting screwed by the referees. They are at Indianapolis, the battle of the ex-Carson Wentz teams. Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles. They're going to uh, bounce back. I think this is a blowout. I think this is a tough matchup for Indianapolis, a base defense against Jalen Hurts, who likes to run to the outside. A lot of outside concepts overall. I know Dallas Goddard is hurt, but I do think they'll be able to get some other production, whether it's Quez Watkins, uh, whether it's somebody like Zach Pascal in the slot. I think that's going to be the area they look at, even if A.J. Brown doesn't play. Defensively, I think they bounce back as well. They try, Like Errol said before, they try two more defensive tackles just to add to the mold to be able to stop Jonathan Taylor. I don't think he'll be as good effective in this game. And then the receiving depth outside of Michael Pittman's been very inconsistent. So I'll take the Eagles in this one. 34 to 20, they bounce back. Yeah, on paper, you could think that Jonathan Taylor could have a good game in this spot, but I, I don't know if I see it. I'm not going to overreact to what happened on Monday night. I mean, you look at the box score, 49 carries for 152 yards for the commanders for 3.1 yards per carry. It's not efficient. Um, you watch the game. And a lot of three and four and five yard runs that could have been one and two yard runs and the Eagles aren't tackling well. Brian Robinson's falling forward. They're staying ahead of the chains. The commanders are 12 for uh, 12 for 21 on third down. I mean, a really efficient game that I, I just expected to regress. Everything that could have went wrong in that game did go wrong. I think a lot of things went right for the Colts. Obviously, the offense looks a lot better under mine, but I mean, make no mistake about it. The Raiders defense is there are worse defense in football in the last two to three weeks than the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I'm not sure if there is. Um, so I just think Chicago. it's a huge step up in competition for, for, for this Colts offense. I think uh, Jeff Saturday might be a little shell-shocked uh, going against the Eagles on Sunday. So I'm going to take the Eagles in a blowout as well here. I'm going to go Eagles 31-17. By the way, and I'm sorry to cut off, I'm reading everything everybody is saying, and I, they say we have no clue. Maybe you guys should go and investigate – what was said two days ago? Dennis Allen says the Saints will consider starting Jameis Winston against the Rams. Go look it up. And Jameis Winston is a game-time decision. And I guarantee you he will start this weekend against the Rams. And Andy Dalton won't. So eat it, Carl. I don't want to hear it anymore. You guys think that you know everything. You're absolutely wrong. And stop talking and speaking when you don't investigate what you're saying. I know 
I know Andy Dalton's the starter. He's not starting this week. Guarantee it. Put it on paper, buddy. That's all I'm going to say. I'm sorry. We're, to- we're talking about the Eagles. I-, I just I can't stand people trying to attack us like we don't know what we're talking about when they don't know what they're talking about. Investigate what you think before you attack anybody. Anyways, the Eagles, uh, I- the Eagles are so much better than the Colts. The Colts won last week. Look who they played. Yeah, that's who they were playing. I, I-, I- the-, the-, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders are not the Eagles. The Eagles... Did lose last week. They lost against the Commanders. That's a divisional team. They play against each other every single year. The Eagles are so much better than the Colts. They are going to Indianapolis. Indianapolis don't know who their quarterback is. And I, and you know what that means? You're talking about the beef up front for the, the great Eagles. The Eagles are going to get at the, the Colts. They're going to put pressure on the Colts. And Jalen Hurts is going to run all over the Colts in this game. Because, by the way, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. So give me the Eagles in this game. 30 to 14. All right, next game Fred Smoots, Washington Commanders at the Houston Texans. This does seem like an ideal letdown spot. I do think the Texans could cover. This is a weird spot, but I'm still going to take the Commanders just because Houston still can't stop the run. And I think Brian Robinson, like you were saying, Derek, really did a great job extending plays, breaking tackles, and the Texans up front really aren't great. Their secondary is good, but up front they're not great. I think the Texans will be leading maybe through three quarters, and I think Washington gets it going later in this game with that rushing attack. So I'm going to take Washington close game. I'll say 23-17. to I wanted to go with Houston last week. I didn't. They came up short against the Giants. I'm going with the Texans this week. I'm All going right. to do it for the reason that Speedy said. It's a tough spot for the Commanders. Um, I'm not really buying into what they did Monday night. I think they executed a great game plan, but Heike is a limited thrower. He's going against that Tampa 2 base defense in Houston. I think it's going to be tough to kind of carve up that team through the, through the uh, passing attack. Scary Terry had a great game, but he's going to be limited against that Tampa 2 scheme. On the other side, the Commanders' Rundy has been great this year, but Damian Pierce is a stud back there. I expect him to do some damage on the ground, so give me the Texans in this one, 17-16. Wow, you're going with the Texans? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Going with the Texans. Hmm. I'm going with Washington in this game. I, I think Washington has proven – uh, th- this past week that they could play. I don't know who's starting. I, I don't know if it's Taylor Hankey or if it's obviously, uh, you know, Carson Wentz. But I think they can run the ball. And the Texans have had problems stopping the run. We've, we keep talking about the run. And I, I think the commanders have proven that they can get the ball and, and they can play defense. I think they'll be able to stop the run against the Texans, even though they've been running the ball very, very well with their star rookie running back. So I, I, I don't know what – this is going to go back and forth, but I think the Commanders are the better team. I think they win, and I think they go 6-5, and five, and I think the NFL – I mean, the NFC East uh, has – you know, everybody has a winning record in the NFC East. So uh, give me the Commanders 20 20- – to 14. All right, the next game, the Carolina Panthers at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens in this game, but I do think the Panthers will cover. I, I would say bet the Panthers to cover the minus 12. It's a pretty big spread because their defense, I do think, will keep a minute. They have a good front that I think will be able to contain Lamar Jackson a little bit in this game. I think Kenyon Drake will be an X factor because as a pass catching back, he's done a nice job throughout his career. And he's done a little better up the middle as well. And defensively for the Ravens, they know Baker Mayfield well if he does end up being the starting quarterback. I, they could, I know this running game has been a little hot, but I think the Ravens can shut it down. And the Panthers really don't have the downfield receivers to take 
advantage of that Ravens secondary. So I'll take the Ravens 23-13. I'm also going with the Ravens here. Uh, yeah, no P.J. Walker. He's out with a high ankle sprain. Baker Mayfield is in uh, going against a rush. Uh, uh, pass rush that's coming alive the last couple weeks. Justin Houston, I think, is second or third in the NFL with eight and a half sacks. Adafi always been coming on strong. Justin Matabuke from the interior D-line has looked really, really good this year. Um, against Baker Mayfield, I think that's a really good matchup. This is a guy that holds the football uh, probably more than any other quarterback in the league and kind of uh, generates his own sacks more than any other quarterback in the league. Um, so, for that reason, I think he, I think the Carolina offense is going to struggle. Deontay Foreman's been a really nice story. He's a really good player, but if they're in a negative game script, he's going to be neutralized in this one. Um, I think they're going to be trailing all game in this one. So uh, I think the Ravens cruise in this one 28-13. Oh, I have the Ravens in this game. Uh, the thing is, is I don't know who their running back is this week, and that's been a problem. Uh, but Lamar Jackson's going to be able to run the ball. He's going to be able to move the ball. And this defense has gotten better. Uh, the last two weeks, they've played better. Roquin Smith is is definitely a guy that uh, adds a little bit of depth in that linebacker position. And I think they're going to be able to get at the, the Panthers. The Panthers have played very good defensively for the last couple of weeks. But I think Baker Mayfield's starting this week. And that's what's scary about this team. I don't know who they're starting quarterback. Maybe they should start Sam Darnold. Uh, maybe we haven't seen enough of him. I, I don't know what's going on with this team. Uh, they're they're going to be looking for a new coach, maybe a new quarterback in the offseason, uh, as they've had many, many of them since Cam Newton. So uh, give me the Ravens. I think the Ravens win 27-17. Cam Newton's available. Maybe bring him back for a third No, stint. I don't want to see him again. <laughs> All right, the Chicago Bears at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, this one will be close. Like, a lot of rushing yards in this game. Expect both ways, especially uh, on, from the quarterback positions. I think both Field and Mariota could be both 100-yard rushers in this game. You have Cordero Patterson back for the Falcons, who looked very good. Even Tyler Algier, their rookie running back, has looked good as well. I'm going to take the Falcons for the fact of the Bears don't have the duo of their running backs like Atlanta does. Khalil Herbert got hurt. He was looking very good against uh, Detroit before he got hurt in that game. David Montgomery's been good but kind of inefficient. I know, Derek, you were talking about the efficiency factors with, this, with certain running backs this year, and I think that'll be the difference in this game. I think Atlanta still has enough downfield. I think Falcons win it close. I'm going to say 27-21. I'm also going with Atlanta here. Uh... This is going to be a fun game. I mean, kind of a little bit of a throwback game. Two really good ground attacks and two horrible defenses in general. So I think you're going to see a lot of success on the ground, a lot of play action. I'm calling my shot. Not really calling my shot because the player's really good. But I think this is a Kyle Pitts game. I mean, we, we, we got a little bit of a taste in the Carolina game a couple weeks ago when he had five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. I think he gets over the century mark. In this matchup, I think he has a couple shot plays down the field. I think he gets a 50-plus yard reception in this game. I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities down the field. Just how successful Atlanta has been running the football. I think it's going to create mismatches down the field. We'll see if Mariota can deliver it. He hasn't really done that this year, but I'm counting on him against a really bad Bears defense. So give me Atlanta in this spot, 31-24. No, I like the Bears. I, I really do. I like what I've seen with Justin Fields. I think he, he's put up the, the, the numbers, the fantasy numbers, and he's really kept his team in the game. That's what you want to see, a star quarterback. And he has been the best quarterback so far in that draft class. He's been fantastic, and he's really delivered all. Uh, but really, the, 
everything you expect a, a star quarterback to do in the last three weeks. But the Falcons are the better team. I really do believe that. And the Falcons did not look good last week. And they didn't look good on Thursday Night Football against the Carolina Panthers either. But I think they're a lot better than people think they are. I think they have the offensive weapons. Get Kyle Pitts involved in this game. I don't know what's wrong with this Atlanta team. Maybe uh, Mariota doesn't have uh, any connections with this guy. But Kyle Pitts is a beast. And he, they need to use him. If he plays at the top of his game, and if Mariota wants to have uh, the, the talent on his side, use the weapons that you have. Uh, Kyle Pitts will have a good game. I think they'll be able to run the ball against this uh, Bears, uh, I guess, reluctant defense. Uh, I don't know what's going on with them after the trading away all the pieces that they had. So give me the Falcons in this game. I think it'll be a close game, 17-14. All right. We'll go to the two New York teams. We'll start with the Giants, the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. My brother will be at this game with some of his friends. Uh, I think the Giants will win. I think it'll be close because both these teams have had trouble stopping the run this year. I think DeAndre Swift coming back for Detroit, you definitely see a big difference in that offense when he was hurt. Amonra St. Brown, he's been fantastic when he's been healthy too. Probably a top five receiver in terms of per game yardage-wise when he's been healthy. And that's going to be a tough matchup for Adoree Jackson. That being said, the offensive line's had trouble for Detroit in recent weeks too. And Jared Goff has forced some bad mistakes as a result of it. Daniel Jones, he has not forced bad mistakes, even though he's gotten a lot of pressure his way as well. And the, and the Lions don't really have the pass rush to take advantage of the Giants' injuries on their line. So I'm going to take the Giants. It'll be close. I'm going to say 26-21. I'm always skittish, kind of putting my trust in this Detroit team. I, uh, I like what they're about, but I think the talent's lacking in some spots. They don't seem to put it together when you, when you start to trust them. Jared Goff is not as good as you want him to be. Um, they've won two in a row. I'm going to go with Detroit in the, in the little upset here at BetLife. Um, I think these teams are much closer in talent than their records indicate. Yes. As yeah. Speedy said, th- this offense, Mamon Ross, St. Brown, is just a lot different. I mean, this guy is a playmaker. His usage last week was so fun to watch. I mean, it was a combo of like Cooper Cup and Debo usage between putting him in the backfield, giving him jet sweeps giving him choice and angle routes out of the backfield. I mean, it was so cool to watch. Um, it's going to be the same thing here against a New York defense that blitzes more than anyone. He's going to have one-on-one matchups down the field. That's only going to be good for Detroit. And this offense has looked good without DeAndre Swift. He's been back the last two weeks, but they haven't even used him for whatever reason. He's coming off an injury, but it seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. I, I expect him to be a little bit more involved this week. He's always a candidate to, to take one to the house anytime he touches it. Um, so expe- I expect DeAndre Swift to make a big player too in this game. And give me Detroit in the upset in this one, 24-21. The thing is, is the Giants have Saquon Barkley, and how is Detroit going to stop him? He's been one of the best running backs, if not the best running back and the best offensive option the Giants have. And, and Detroit has had problems week in and week out stopping the run. Another thing about Detroit that really scares me going into this game is it's going to be very cold, and it might snow. So it, there's no guarantees that it will snow hard, but it might snow. And, and Detroit plays in a dome. And, and the island uh, here in – I almost said the Islanders. But here in, in New York, it's going to be very, very cold. It's going to be somewhere in 38, 39 uh, going into this game. It's going to be windy on Sunday. So it's all about running the ball. And Detroit, yes, Swift, and, and you were talking about Brown – are they going to be able to throw the ball? And Jared Goff, remember, he comes from California, and he played in L.A. all those years, and he plays in a dome in Detroit. Is he going to be able to throw? I trust Daniel Jones more running the ball and doing the things that he does well than 
Jared Goff. So give me the Giants in this game. It will be close. The Giants could lose this game very much so. I think they're very evenly matched. But I, I got the Giants 24-20. All right. Errol's New York Jets traveling to Foxborough to Whoosh. take on the New Whoosh. England Patriots. Patriots obviously winning the first meeting. But this time, I think the Jets win this time because they're a little more intact with this running game and this offensive line that played very well against the Bills. They're getting some guys healthy again. And the Patriots up front, they are good. Matt Judon is the league leader in sacks. Dietrich Wise has played well, too. But they're also missing some bodies as well. Their secondary has been good at times, but I do think the Jets did a good job exposing the two things. One, the slot area and the tight end play was pretty good against the Bills in that fourth quarter. I think you could definitely do that against the Patriots who don't have as much depth and size and their defense has been fantastic the last couple of weeks as well. The Patriots really don't have a lot to take advantage of. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson has the same game he did the first time against the Jets. Hunter Henry I think plays well but that's all they got really. I'm going to take the Jets in New England 20-13 to for the first time in years. Last time they played uh, I'm, I'm going to take a victory lap here because I can't really do that in this format because I've been so bad, but it was the only one that took the Patriots. No, I did. I, I, did, against the, I, did I did against the Jets the first time. Oh, you did? I thought I guess the Jets the first time the I did, yeah. Um, okay, never mind then. Um, I'm going to go with the Jets here. I'm going to go with the Jets yeah. here, and it's going against any like every fiber in my body to take Zach Wilson against Bill Belichick, but he's had a bye week. as doesn't have the Patriots, but he's had a bye week. I think it's on him and LaFleur. These guys are going to have a good game plan coming into this game. I, I, I think they found something in that Buffalo game between establishing the run. Uh, Michael Carter played his best game in that Buffalo game. James Robinson was getting more is getting more integrated in the lineup. Um, Garrett Wilson's a stud, um, but Zach Wilson managed the game. He he didn't make any boneheaded mistakes against a better Buffalo defense. I expect him to take another step forward here. I think this Jets team is different than years past. They ha- they st- they have playmakers everywhere on the field, even without Brees Hall. And on the defensive side of the football, I think Quinn and Williams just takes over this game. This guy is a top five candidate in the Defensive Player of the Year award for 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 me at least. Um, the guys wreak havoc every single week. Um, and against a New England interior that struggled, Cole Strange has been benched the last two games that he's played. I, I, I think it just smells like a Quinn and Williams game on the defensive side of the football. So give me the Jets to break through here, finally break, break the streak, break, break, break the streak, beat the Patriots. A lot of bees there. Um, I'm going to go with the score 23-17. to 17. Here's what I'm going to say. On, on Sunday, it's going to be 32 degrees at the time of the game. It's going to possibly rain. It's going to be 20 miles per hour winds. Who has the better running team? Now, I know the 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 uh, Patriots can run the ball. They've ran the ball really, really well. They have two beasts, uh, actually three beasts that can run the ball. Here's the thing. The Jets front seven are one of the best in the league. They have Quinn Williams. They can stuff the middle. They can do a lot of things that, by the way, the Patriots cannot do. Now, the, the Patriots are a good run-stopping team, too, but not amongst the league's best in the top ten right now with the Jets. And I, and I think that the Jets, this is a big game for the Jets. They didn't even talk about the Buffalo game. They Even after winning the Buffalo game on you know two weeks ago, what did they say? They said, "Yeah, we won this game, but we're we're not even we're not even thinking about this game. We're moving forward after the bye week. We have we have uh, what did they what was the word that I they used, Speedy? That we unfinished talked business. Unfinished business. And Gardner said it. Michael Carter said it. Quentin Williams said it. Mosley was so pissed off after losing that game. 
not only do I think they're going to go into New England, I think they're going to go into New England and smash mouth them. They're going to kill them. They're going to go into the game, and they're going to shut them down defensively like they did in the first half in MetLife Stadium, and they're going to put up a 20, a 20 spot. I believe the Jets are not just going to beat them with the numbers you gave them. I'm, t- I'm expecting double digits. The Jets will beat them. The, the Jets are going to win this game. Quinn Williams is going to have a couple of sacks. They're going to cause havoc, interceptions. They're going to do everything, and they're going to, they're going to make Mac Jones get pulled from the game. Uh, the Jets win the game 27-10. Oh, wow. Well, all, all that might not happen now because Derek picked the Jets, so I don't know how that's going to bode well. <laughs> if Derek picks the Jets, usually there could be problems. <laughs> all right, bound to the 4 o'clock games, the ugly sure. bad coach bowl between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. Here's an interesting stat I saw. Of, shout out to uh, – Previous guest of the show, Ian Harditz, Pro Football Focus. Uh, it was the first one I saw that set this out. The Broncos are the first team, I think, in since like 1981 to have the best scoring defense and the worst scoring offense in the league, which is insane. Uh, but I'm going to take him in this game. The, Ra- the Raiders have not given me much to trust in this one. I like the matchup for Patrick Sertan, have actually having an advantage on Devontae Adams in this game. You're talking about Sauce Gardner hasn't given up a touchdown. Neither has Sertan this year. He's been a fantastic corner in this, fantastic. in this league. I-, I think the matchup advantage really goes to him and that the Raiders having the injuries. And the- Sauce Gardner's given up one touchdown. Yeah. but And Stingley's the one that gave up no touchdowns. But even so, the you have no Darren Waller, no Hunter Renfro to be able to spread the ball around the the Bronco, uh, the Raiders. The Raiders can run the ball some, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do it as consistently in the second half. You saw even the Colts, who have a good run defense, but not great, be able to shut them down when they needed to, and I think that'll end up making a difference. And the Broncos, I do think, can attack that really bad secondary of the Raiders, too. And the pass rush has been down, too, for the Raiders, despite trading for Chandler Jones and still having Max Crosby. So I'm going to take the Broncos. It'll be a low scoring. Definitely take the under, 17-13. It's bad in Vegas. I mean, the vibes are really, really bad. Uh, the Derek Carr press conference was one for the ages where he broke down. I mean, he's calling out players. Uh, I, I have it up here. Um, bear with me for a second. Mm-hmm. But saying, knowing what some of the guys are doing, like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body, just to sleep at night, like – just so we can be there for each other. And I just wish everyone in that room felt the same way about this place. And as the leader, that pisses me off, if I'm being honest. Whoa. I mean, I don't know who that's about. He seems to be digging McDaniels, at least on the surface. I wonder if that's about maybe a Darren Waller, a Hunter Renfro. Those guys are on the high R. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Because Devontae Adams is pissed off as well when you hear him talk about the state of this team. Um, the defense, here's a stat for you that, that I saw today. Um, any guesses? How many sacks do the Raiders have outside of Max Crosby? Four. Three. Okay. And they signed Chandler Jones to all that money this offseason. I mean, three sacks outside of Max Crosby. I mean, that is a horrible defensive line right now. The secondary is a mess. Uh, the vibes are terrible. No Darren Waller, no Hunter Renfro. I'm going to go with the Raiders here. Despite all that, I'm going with the Raiders. I uh, I just can't back Russell Wilson. I can't do it. The offense is so, so bad, as Speedy said. No Jerry Judy now. No KJ Hamler. Obviously, Javante's out for the year. The offensive line is looking spottier and spottier by the week. Um, so if there's one offense that can't take advantage of how bad this Vegas defense is, it's the Denver Broncos. So give me the Raiders to win again against Denver. 
21-17. Yeah, I got the Raiders in this game, too. I, I love what Derek Carr said. He's calling people out. That's what you want your captain to do. Uh, I don't know if he'll be there next year if Josh McGan- McDaniels is still there. I think he could be on his way out. Uh, maybe Adams picked wrong. Maybe he should have stayed in Green Bay. I don't know. Maybe he's calling out Adams. I, I mean, obviously he's a meat player. I, I have no idea what's going on with this team, but I think that speech is going to take the turbulence and the pressure off of everybody else and put it on Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is going to prove why he's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's going to go into this game and is going to put up a pretty good spot. I think the Broncos aren't that good. Uh, I, I don't know what Russell Wilson is. I don't know what this this coaching staff is. And and by the way, who's running the ball? Who is running the ball on this team? The Broncos. There's Octavius Murray. I, give me a break. I, I mean, they have no offense. I, I, I don't. Jerry Judy's gone. Uh, what are they going to depend on Sutton? Teams are teams already figured them out. It doesn't matter how bad the defense is over there with the Raiders because the offense of the Broncos is putrid. Uh, give me the Raiders in this game. They're the better high-flying offense. Uh, I think it'll be close, but I think they win 24-21. I might not pick against the Raiders against for the rest of the year just for the sheer purpose of the Raiders blew the opportunity to fire Josh McDaniels after losing to the coach that got fired for the coach that took his job. That would have been great. <laughs> All right, the next game is the Dallas Cowboys at the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to take Dallas in this one. I know it goes against what I believed in a lot of the year with Dallas, kind of still not being sure about them and with the Vikings liking them, but it's an ideal letdown spot for the Vikings after that big comeback. I think it's an ideal bounce-back spot for Dallas in this one. Dallas's defense, I think, could do well against this running game. They were bad against the Packers last week, but for the most part, they've been pretty good against stopping the run this year. And I do think the pre- the pass rush, they were very big outside of Parsons, who's fast. They're very big up front against a Vikings line that is smaller. And I think CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup both have big games in this one. Vikings will keep it close in the red zone, but I think the Cowboys bounce back here. I'm going to take them 23-17. to The Vikings are the first team since 1976 that is eight and one or better and is and is a home underdog against a team with the worst record. Uh, I mean, we, we've been saying it every week. I've been getting burned with it every single week, but I, I, I'm not buying into the Vikings and their record. I'm just not. I think there's a good football team. I think they have a lot of talent. I think Jefferson is unbelievable. I think it's Tyreek and him are neck and neck for offensive player of the year. Um, I think the defense is piecing it together. Darius Smith has been awesome, but not fully buying into them. I'm also going with Dallas in this one. Dallas Sneaky has to win this one. I, I, I really believe that. They're now third in the NFC East. They are the sixth seed in the NFC. They have a tough schedule down the stretch. I think this is a, a letdown spot, as Speedy said, but this is kind of a game that Dallas just, they got to go to Minnesota and win this one. I think Micah Parsons has to, they got to put him back on the edge. They, they had him at linebacker for 47 snaps in last week's loss. That's not a winning formula, the way that Dallas has played this year. Put his hand back on the dirt. Let him pressure Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins got to make a mistake or two in this game, and I'm going to take Dallas in this one, 28-24. I'm sure the Cowboys right now, after last week against the Green Bay Packers, are urging themselves to stay pat, get on that field, and play the game that they expect to play. I I think the Cowboys are the better team. I think the Cowboys have the better defense. I think the Cowboys will be able to run against the Vikings. The Vikings' defense is so overrated. It's not a good defense. And, yes, they came out. They beat Buffalo. And, yes, a good Buffalo Bills team. 
But again, they won in overtime, and they were losing. I think they were down 17. 27-10. 27-10, I'm sorry. 27-10, 17 points in the third quarter. They came back because Buffalo wasn't playing any defense, and Buffalo couldn't stop the run. They stopped running the ball. They started throwing the ball, and they keep. for some reason they keep force-feeding Jefferson. They force-feed Jefferson in this game, and, they, and, and Kirk Cousins holds the ball too long. This defense is going to get at him. Micah Parsons is going to eat him for breakfast. This is a good defense. They can get at you. This is a pretty good secondary, and I, I don't think they're going to stop Jefferson, but if they could just contain him, even give him a touchdown and only give him like 70, 80 yards, they can win this game. They're, they're, they're so overrated. I agree with you, Derek. This is not a very good overall team. There are a lot... Their their record shows that they're good. They're a lot worse than they really are. So I, I have the Cowboys winning this game. I think it'll be close, uh, 27-20. All right, last the 4 o'clock games. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I'll take the Bengals, but the red zone offense will continue to haunt them and make this game a lot closer than they should be because Zach Taylor is turning into the AFC version of Cliff Kingsbury with just a better team that's making him look better. But I do think they'll win this game. The Steelers' secondary has really struggled. They did get TJ Watt back, and I think that's helped their pass rush, which could make it hard for Burrow, but I do think Burrow will extend plays very well. I do think this, the Bengals' defense will still be very tough against the run, too, which the Steelers have had trouble with all year. It's made them one-dimensional. I'm going to take the Bengals in this game. I'll say 26-17. to 17. I'm also going with the Bengals here. The Bengals are one of three teams that are top 10 in offensive and defensive DVOA. So they've sneaky been a strong team this year, even though they're only five and four. I know they don't have Jamar Chase again in this one, but reports are indicating he could be back as early as next week. I think they just got to keep their head above water here and try to get a win. Pittsburgh's pesky. I mean, they're going to be tough in this spot with TJ Watt back. I mean, against New Orleans, New Orleans had 10 first downs. They held them under 200 total offensive yards. I mean, they looked it looked night and day. But we're comparing Andy Dalton to Joe Burrow. I mean, it, it's just it's it's not necessarily a fair comparison here. I still think T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Boyd, they're going to be enough to get past this Pittsburgh defense. Micah Fitzpatrick is probably not going to play in this one. He's listed as questionable, but he hasn't practiced this week. Um, I, I think that's a huge deal, especially against this. Uh, Cincinnati passing attack. So give me the Bengals in this one, 31 to 20. Yeah, I got the Bengals in this game. I I like what the Steelers are when TJ Watt is in on this defense and he is on the field. But I don't know what this defense is going to be against a high-flying powered offense. They still have Higgins. He's playing in this game. They still have Boyd. Uh, Mixon will have a better game. He's played better the last couple of weeks, last two weeks. Uh, he's had a bad season. I'm very surprised. Mixon is one of the better running backs in the league. But I think uh, Joe Burrow will take over the game. I think he's a, a fantastic quarterback. He has not been the quarterback he was last year. But I think he will show up in this game and make the plays that he needs to in Steelertown. It is going to be cold. Could snow a little bit over there. I'm seeing there's going to be a lot of wind. Uh, so a lot of people think it's the Steelers game to lose. But, hey, listen, they play in Cincinnati, too, and it's cold, and it's windy over there, too. So, Give me Cincinnati in this game. It'll be close. I I would say 21-17, that kind of score. 
but I have the Bengals in this game. All right. Sunday Night Football, the Kansas City Chiefs. My upset, baby. At the L.A. Chargers. My upset. An upset. Well, yeah, they are getting the receivers. They are going to get the receivers back most likely. They've been practicing all week, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. That is a good sign. Now, I'm still going to take the Chiefs, but I do think it's close because of that because Mike Williams has owned the Chiefs in his career, and the Chiefs still have kind of a smaller secondary. They don't really have that big body corner that can take out Mike Williams one-on-one. What concerns me more is the Chargers' offensive line still has not really fixed their problems since they've had with the injuries. And the Chiefs are getting Frank Clark back this week. And their young pass rusher, Carl Loftus, Chris Jones, it's still a tough matchup with Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And I don't think the Chargers, or I don't think the Chiefs are going to have the same red zone problems last week that the 49ers had when they just were settling for field goals all the time. And it seemed, that game could have been a blowout, too. And I don't think the Chiefs will have the same kind of problem. I'm going to take the Chiefs, and this one will be close. I'm going to say 31 24. I have this as an upset. I do. I, I think the Chargers with the wide receivers coming back. Uh, obviously, they're missing some important pieces. Slater's out for the season. Uh, they're missing some defensive pieces. Uh, Joey Bosa could be back in the next two or three weeks. So if this team could stay afloat, this is such a very – this is so much more important for the Chargers to win than the, the Chiefs to win. And, and by the way, the Chiefs are the number one seed. If they lose this week, guess who would be the number one seed if they win against the New England Patriots? Yes, the New York Jets. So I want to see the Chiefs lose because who would have thought in week 11 that the Jets would be the number one seed in the AFC? <laughs> I've got the Chargers winning this game. It will be close. Uh, Patrick Mahomes will have a good game. This deep, both defenses are, you know, back and forth. You don't know what the Chiefs are going to produce, and you don't know what the Chargers are going to produce defensively because both coaches are not defensive-minded coaches. But even though, hey, guess what? The Chargers coach was the defensive coordinator for the Rams. He's still not. He hasn't really shown that this defense could do anything on the field uh, without their star player. So I'm going to pick the Chargers to win this game. This is my upset of the week. I respect it. I think the, the Chargers always play the Chiefs tight. They match up well. They're athletic. Uh, the defense is ha, has a lot of skill on the perimeter to kind of match the Chiefs' speed, but I can't do it. I mean, the, the injuries are just piling up for the Chargers every single week. They lost two more defensive linemen for the year. Joey Bosa is not going to play again in this one. Mike Williams is probably going to play. I don't know if Keenan Allen's going to play. Joey Bosa could. Joey Bosa could be back next week. They're saying he could be back next week. So I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he was aiming after this game. Yes. I mean, if he plays, that's no, not huge. not this week. Uh, next week, he'll yeah. be back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So like, without him, it's Khalil Mack, and they really have no edge depth after that. Mm. I, I just can't see Mahomes going in LA and not winning this game. Um, something to look out for the Chiefs. though. their top three receivers might not play in this one. Juju had the huge hit against Jacksonville last week. He's questionable. Miko Hardman was placed in the IR today. He will not play. Valdez Scanling is questionable. So they might be rolling up with the receiving with the receiving core of Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and, mm. and Justin Watson. I mean, maybe a huge Travis Kelsey game's in coming. Maybe a huge Sky Moore game's in coming. They haven't really used him. I had high hopes for him coming in this year, but I'm just going to trust Andy Reid in this spot. I mean, the, the Chargers are just a shell of themselves compared to what they looked like week one, week two in that first Sunday night matchup. That was one of the better games of the year. 
Um, it, it's just two completely different teams. So give me the Chiefs here, 31 to 23. Hey, don't, don't hate on Justin Watson. He was half of the of the great stat of two rookie Watsons scored on Thursday Night Football <laughs> the right. last time they played against the Chargers. Jalen Watson right. with the 97-yard pick six, and Justin Watson, I think, was the first touchdown that they had in that game. All right, Monday Night Football in Mexico. The San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico. I'll take the Niners in this one. I do think it'll be closer than expected because I do like a couple matchups for the Cardinals. The Niners have had trouble this year against slot receivers. I think Rondale Moore has a nice game in this one. I do think you could see a Trey McBride breakout in this game too with Zach Ertz now being hurt. He's a weapon that Cliff Kingsbury used very well in the second half of last game. I think he has a nice one in this one, but I don't like the matchup for DeAndre Hopkins. Charvarius Ward, another bigger corner. I do think he'll be able to match up physically. And I think the Niners beyond that will be able to shut down the flats a little better and stop the Cardinals running game. And the Cardinals, they just can't stop the run at all. So Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, they'll just do their thing. I'll take the Niners in this one, 27-20. Yeah, I, I think the Niners blow them out here. I really do. Uh, Kyler's probably not going to play in this one. I think it's just going to be too much for Cole McCoy on his plate. Um, last week's Cardinals win was way more about the dysfunction of the Rams than about the Cardinals doing anything good for me. Um, Cole McCoy played well in relief, and that's what he's going to do. But the San Fran defense is way different than that L.A. defense. Um, so I, I, I expect San Fran to absolutely dominate on both sides of the football. As Speedy said, Arizona was a little pesky on defense the first couple months of the year. They Vance Joseph seems to piece it together every year, but I think as the season wears on, um, that, that's an older defense, especially that front, uh, especially that front four. I think that San Fran team is just going to wear them out. I think between CMC and Elijah Mitchell, I mean, they're both kind of in a workhorse role. I mean, Elijah Mitchell in his first game last week had what 18, 19 carries. CMC is going is a perfect fit in that Shanahan offense. Um, I think they absolutely run all over the run all over the Cardinals here. Give me San Fran 27 to 10. Yeah, I got San Francisco in this game too. And I, I love Elijah Mitchell. Everybody knows I've drafted him in practically every one of my, well, just one of my leagues at the Beavs League. I didn't draft him, but every other league I had Elijah Mitchell. He's back. Uh, he's a beast. I think he's a very important part of this offense. Everybody keeps talking about McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Uh, Elijah Mitchell was the best offensive option they had. Uh, pretty much in the second half of the season last year. So uh, him back and with the high-flying offense they have with Kittle and Mitchell and McCaffrey and uh, Debo Samuel and Hayuk, I think this is going to be a fun fun game to watch. Yeah, Kyler Murray's not playing. I don't know what this uh, – by the way, Hard Knocks has been absolutely horrible. I, I don't know what this team is. Kingsbury got an extension. How does he have an, ex uh, an extension right now the way this team is playing? I mean, he should be fired at the end of the year. Kyler Murray – I love Kyler Murray, but he has looked horrible this year. Maybe it was that playoff game that completely changed who he is as a quarterback. He has no confidence. You can see he has no confidence. But he loves speaking that he has confidence when he calls himself in a third person. This team is horrible from top to bottom. Defensively, all those young players. And, yes, there's somebody that thought a great linebacker was going to appear when they was drafted at number 16. Speedy, who was that? Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins, and he's been an absolute bust, except one game where he had an interception. He stinks, Jeff. That pick six was cool. Yes, that, he that stinks. Cool. Yes, it was, but he stinks. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Horrible. Won't be in the NFL for no more than, 
another year or two, he's gone. Yes, your guy stinks. Let him go to New England. He stinks. I got San Francisco in this game. It is an absolute killing. 35-14. Thinking <laughs> of your fantasy, you're actually in very good shape right now. Derrick Henry got 28.4, and Christian Watson with his two touchdowns, That's 21.1. Right. That's right, baby. It's another win for me this and, week. And Derrick Henry doing it with not just, a, or not just a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown as well. What could I say? It's a gift from God, you know? I- <laughs> Hopefully I win this year. I I mean, in, in the Beavs League, it's so funny, Derek. I've been in the league. Me and Speedy have been in his league for three years. I won the first year. I had so many injuries. So I think I had like eight injuries uh, last year, and all big injuries. Didn't make the playoffs. I think I was the eighth seed. Six only make it, right? Um, no, and four I, make it. Four, was it four make it? Yeah, because of the 10-team league. Really? I thought there were six teams that made it. I think the first year it was, but once it became a 10-team league, it's He changed it. Now, well, yeah. okay, so whatever. Uh, the fact is, is I came in eighth or seventh. That was pretty high for all the missing players that have. Now this year, I am in second place. I have a chance right now. If uh, Speedy beats the first place team for me to take full custody of first. And when that happens, ladies and gentlemen... They're going to be chasing me all the way to the end because I got Justin Fields. I've got all these guys that everybody just said, you know, I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't think he's any good. Well, fantasy-wise, he's good, and I am loving it right now. I'm very excited because uh, in the beginning of the season, everybody, my points, I have the second lowest points in my league, second from 10 teams, and I'm in second place. That tells you one thing. I know what I'm doing. And, it, and you, know what, you know what the beat tells me? He says, I don't know how you're in second place. I don't know how you're in second. How about this? I actually know what I'm doing. You don't. Oh, <laughs> yes, he is the same person who drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the second round. Uh, so that just shows all you need to know about that. Well, hey, listen, it's a fun league. It's interesting. Speedy, you could shut the music off. All right. um, I, I think it, it's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch the Beef just get so angry. And you know what the Beef told me today? He says if he, wasn't, if he didn't have all these injuries, he only has two injuries. Uh, he'd be in first place, and I said, "Let me, let me, let me just read off his roster." Derek, you tell me if if you think the beef should be in first place, even with the roster. Um, let me let me go to his roster here. Hold on. Meanwhile, every, every fantasy team imaginable deals with injuries. Yeah, nope. I'm the only born ever that ever right, dealt with injuries. Here's his team. Okay, Kirk Cousins, Michael Gallup, uh, Robinson from the Giants, Lazard. Gibson, Mixon, um, Kmet, uh, the the um, the tight end, yeah. uh, Jefferson, Ertz, Evans, Elliott, Jones, Kyle Murray, uh, Allen, and obviously Watson, who has not playing. <laughs> so, Just Watson when he already has Kyler Murray. That is his team. Okay, <laughs> that is, that's his number one team. Okay, here's the number one team right now. This is her team. Okay, Herbert. Brown from the Lions, Jefferson, Sutton, Connor, Patterson, Kelsey, Foreman, Mooney, Goddard, Kirk, Benjamin, Garrett Wilson, Edwards, and Jay Williams, uh, the wide receiver who hasn't played yet this year. I mean, who has a better team there? <laughs> oh, that, that second team's really good. That's a landslide in comparison to the beef. Here's here's my oh, team. Yeah. Here's my my team. Justin Fields. I did not like the first team at all. No. You should see it. You should have seen his draft strategy. Oh my gosh. I have Justin Fields, Moore, Samuel Samuels, McLaurin, Henry, Chubb, Pitts, Watson, uh, Thielen, Walker, 
Rodgers, Henderson, Henry, Harris, D, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and uh, that's my team. So, uh, and my team, running backs are uh, the yes. running backs are strong. Yes, that's what They're I do. Strong. That's what I always yeah. do. I always draft running backs in my first two rounds <laughs> because I know that you can't find running backs after like the sixth round. So. Yeah. And meanwhile, the Beave only drafted three total running backs. <laughs> I, that was his mistake. I know. I told him that. He's like, oh, no, no, no. That's My running backs said, are fine. That and then he complains about his injuries. Running backs get hurt, Beave. <laughs> yeah. It, Especially you should know as a Cowboys fan, Zeke gets hurt. <laughs> it's interesting. It, it really is. But uh, he says his roster is better than everybody else's. I was looking at his roster. I, I said, dude, your roster is not that good. And he, he's as if, uh, well, it's, if Elliot was healthy and Allen really? was healthy. I mean, come on, dude. Allen is Allen's a good wide receiver. He, what does he have? What does he get? Seven touchdowns? What does he get? 900? Yeah, he's pretty, yards. pretty consistently 1,000 yards, but the yeah. touchdowns are fluctuating. Yeah, so He's I, a low-end wide receiver, one higher-end, two. He's not going to be a superstar. I, that's why I don't understand him. And he has Zeke. He, he drafted Zeke in the second round. In the second round. He drafted Zeke in the second round. I, I said, dude. I know you're a Cowboy fan. Why would you draft Ezekiel Elliott? Because I think he's going to have a great season this year. I said, yeah, that's what everybody says. He had a nice year last year. I took him in like the fourth round of a 14-team league, not in the second round of a 10-team league. I, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And and yes, if you look at my you look at my roster, everybody says, well, how do you have the second lowest numbers right now, and and you're in second place? I say, it's all strategic. Who you play against. What team and how you start your rosters every single week is the way you win. It doesn't really necessarily mean my roster has to be the strongest to win. It, my, has to, my roster has to be the strongest that week against that team. So and I think now with Justin Fields and some of the weapons that I have, yeah, if Justin Fields gets me 40 points every single week, nobody's beating me because my running backs are really good. And I, I, I have still Debo Samuels, McLaurin. I, I have wide receivers that can catch the ball too. So it's, it's hard. And, and now my defense is I keep dropping defenses. I, I keep Seattle. I have Seattle. And now I picked up the Jets. And, uh, yeah, so my defenses are pretty good. And I, I keep moving away from kickers because I just don't know who's going to have a good week and who doesn't. I have Zerline now from the Jets because uh, – I expect a couple of uh, long field goals this week against the Patriots, so uh, that might help me out. So, what place are you in in your leagues? Um, in my big money league, I started out hot, two and one, and lost five straight. Wow! Um, but I am back to three and seven, which unbelievably is in the nine seed. Okay, and we have five teams at three and seven. So I am like 20 points out of the eight seed when eight teams make the playoffs out of 12. Oh, that's good. Um, but my team is good. Like I, I love my team. Um, I have like the fifth or fourth most points. I've gotten, I've gotten pretty unlucky. I mean, I, I picked Saquon in the first round, who's been a stud. I picked Lamar in like the fourth round. He has not been good the last like month, but before that he was a stud. Um, I picked up fields off waivers and I traded him this week. Because I just trust Lamar down the home stretch. I wanted to get some value out of fields. I got him for basically Christian Kirk. Um, and he'll start for me every week. I got him, Godwin, Gabe Davis, um, Chris Olave, receiver. I mean, like, I, I, I like my team. I had Zach Gertz, a tight end. He's done for the year, obviously. Um, I was able to pick up Njoku. Um, so like not bad. Uh, I got Kamara in my second running back spot. Like I like my team down the home stretch. I really do. But the record's really bad right now. Look, look at this team. This is my, my other league. I have Kyler Murray, Eckler, 
Kamara, Pittman, Kirk, Everett, Evans. Uh, Carlson is my kicker. And here's my bench. Andrews, Kittle, Davis, Thielen, 49ers defense, uh, London, Pollard, and Justin Fields on my bench. <laughs> that league must have just forgot what tight ends were. <laughs> yeah. I think there are three teams in that league. <laughs> no, no, the, no, 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 no. There, there's, there's, there's a regular a, amount of teams. They just didn't roster any tight ends. There's eight no. teams. No. There's, there's eight teams in that league. They're just idiots. <laughs> They're idiots. <laughs> and you know what? It's all messed up in that league. I am still in first place in that in in my league. Or am I still in first place? No, I moved down. I'm sorry. I lost the last two weeks. So I'm in third. I'm in second second place in that league. But I could win this week, and I could be right back in first place. But I I, I don't really look at that league because I it's like a thirty dollar league. I don't really care about that league, and I I don't even have to start my best players, and I probably win half the time. So. It's crazy, man. The league of no tight ends. There's one Kelsey owner, one Goddard owner, but now he's hurt, and then one Hawkinson <laughs> owner, and that's it. Nobody else is a tight end. Oh man, fantasy. Just and by the way, I play. I'm playing in a basketball fantasy, and nobody told me the points and how it works. And I am completely in last place because I drafted all guards because I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to get the best guards. And, and and now I'm looking at the league, and I'm looking at, well, I have to get rebounds. I have to get offensive and defensive rebounds and blocks. And I'm like, I'm not winning. Uh, it was a, That was a waste of $100 that I threw into that. So, anyways, uh, Derek, we love you, man. Keep up the good work. We'll get you on next week. Uh, let's see how we uh, we fall this week when it comes to the picks. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I, seven I need seven. a good week. I need a good week. I, need, I, I have a lot of ground to catch up on. I know Speedy didn't update. <laughs> The, the records this week, but I know I have a lot of catching up to do. Well, you're doing yeah, you, you have to recover from your two, like, four and ten weeks that you have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, oh my God. But now you picked the Jets, so now there's a little more hope. You're, you're going away. Or you jinxed the Jets. You're going Either to one. No, I think he's going to. I, I, uh, I uh, had some contrarian picks this week. They're probably going to bite me, but we'll see. I think the Jets are winning, and I think they're winning big this week. And I bet on that. Uh, what is hey, the, what is the line? Right. What is I'm, the in, line? I'm in Massachusetts, and I got to hear these guys every week. I got to hear Patriot fans every week. So I, I really hope I grew up right. in Connecticut. I knew a lot of them, too. So <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. You're going to be hearing a lot of crying at the end of this game. because I, I hope you're right. I hope so. I think the Jets are going to go out, and they're going to go out strong in this game. I really do. I, I, I think there's a, they have a, a big – this is a statement game to, to really – because if the Jets win and Kansas City loses, if you look at the numbers in the divisional games – the Jets would be the number one seed going into week. What is it? Twelve. Week twelve. Thanksgiving. We, they would have. They would be the number one seed in the AFC. How crazy is that? That's Who would have awesome. thought that? I mean, not me That's as awesome. a Jet fan. I, I know Robert Sala because he's taking receipts. <laughs> We'll see what happens. Derek, I, I, I also have to trust his uh, uh, his second favorite AFC team to help him out. Yes, yes, my well, <laughs> well what's the Chargers? My, uh, your second favorite AFC man, team? Not my second favorite. My second favorite team in the NFL is the Eagles. Everybody knows. that. I said the AFC. Yeah, but I'm I, I, I root on the Eagles. I want the Eagles to do well too. I'm obviously I'm a Jet fan. I hate when the Eagles play the Jets because the, the Jets never beat the Eagles. Nope. And, never in franchise. And history. that's why I, I I it would be so fitting to see the Jets play the Eagles in the Super. Bowl and the Jets beat the Eagles finally in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that would be that would be so fun. I, I mean, as a Jet fan, I, I I feel sad that the Eagles lose, but I'm actually so very happy because I'll have the opportunity to see my team finally win a Super Bowl after 50 years. I wasn't even alive for that, so thank you. Anyways, Derek, 
You're awesome. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Derek Mountain, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, where is Mark Everett? Who knows? I guess we'll have him on another time. What is up with him? <laughs> he man? said he was going to want to come on, and all of a sudden. He wants to come on. But Watch. He, t- he tells me during the show. He'll he pop tell on me- right now. You know, he tells Boop. me during the show. He couldn't tell me this, like, at 6 o'clock or something, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, whatever. We'll have him on another It'll time. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting the next time that my uh, you know Mark comes up. But Brian... Uh, to me, Brian, uh, Derek is uh, is fantastic. His understanding of of the games, his his analysis, and his statistics, and everything that he does when when he does when he makes his picks is very unique and very different. And you know, listen, it, it, it's a hit and miss with these picks; they're never guarantees, you know. So we'll see. Yeah. I am killing everybody, and, and Jeff, eat your heart out because Jeff, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Who did Jeff make his picks last year? Yeah, last year? he won. He beat you by one. Remember? One. That's yeah. right. He beat me by one. That's right. And he bragged about that forever. Yeah, he uh, did. He did. He beat me by one. Yeah. Oh well. Not this year, baby. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you to all the fans. Thank you to everybody uh, that continue listening to us, and even the people that just annoy the hell out of me. And they know who they are. But uh, uh, thank you to Fred Smoot. He was fantastic. Ex-Commander, ex-Viking. Uh, went back and forth banter with him. He was he was great. He was <laughs> NFC really... East Stan. No, he Smoot. loves those NFL, uh, NFC East teams, that's for sure. It's, fun, um, it's funny because he actually he actually was scrutinizing the Eagles fans when we had Brandon Jacobs on it. He said he loved the Philly fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's uh, Rob Top for thank you for joining us, the, the NHL uh our NHL guy, NHL.com, NHL media producer, ex-Islander writer. Oh, he writes with the Islander. He, you can tell he's an Islander fan. So. Yeah, he's an Islander fan, yes. But I, I, he was fantastic as well. So, anyways, uh, great, great show. Thank you to all the fans. Uh, we will uh, continue doing what we're doing as always. We'll be back next week. Oh, we're, next week we're only doing a show on Monday yep. uh, because of Thanksgiving. By the way, happy Thanksgiving to all. Uh, if they don't listen to the show on Monday or they're busy, a happy Thanksgiving to all. Uh, yes. Drive safe. Take care of yourself. Eat a lot of turkey. Watch a lot of football. And enjoy yourself. Uh, whoever wins on Thursday. So uh, Hopefully the Giants. Oh, there you go. The Giants are playing on Thursday for the first time in a pretty long time, actually. It's yeah. been a while. And Errol's going to have to root for the Vikings against the Patriots. Yeah, I will. Uh, Earl, 100%, the GM of Wonka Factory. Thank you, Jeff. Uh <laughs> Jeff, you are the GM of nothing. You're the GM of losers. You're a GM of food and sinking to the bottom of the floor. Yeah. And I don't care if it has to be funny. You're just an idiot. And 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 you can talk and speak and do whatever you do on your little feet over there with Snug the Cat and everybody else. You're just an idiot. And nobody cares what you have to say. I really don't. Um, what is he saying? On Thursday, Speedy will be hosting Thanksgiving Spectacular <laughs> No, I, I, I'm no. taking a break from show production for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm. I'm not doing. I'm not doing all that. What I have Jeff, to do it all Jeff, Jeff, I'm not trying to be funny. You're an idiot, and you're a chicken, and you you coming and talking like a tough guy on on a feed doesn't make you anything but a wimp. Okay, that's what you are. You're a wimp. Uh, you threaten people. You talk down on people like Tyler and everybody else. I'm not even wasting my time. I, I don't need to waste my time. Anyways, thank you to all the fans. Uh, we will be back next week. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.